0: Hey, welcome to the 232nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to that secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I've been talking about the Resident Evil movies. Uh, so this week, it's going to be the next one. The Where am I? I think I'm at the fourth one now. So the fourth Resident Evil movie. I haven't seen these movies before. It turned out I had only seen the first one, and now I'm, I'm watching the other ones for the first time. And uh, it's, it's something. So you can hear about that. And sometimes I talk about a classic, cool comic book series. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash Gman from Heck. <laughs> you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee. I think I said it all wrong. I'm out of it. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or let's say two. as <laughs> ko-fi.com slash Gman from Heck. All right, so what's going to happen this week I made it back to the theaters. It's been a couple weeks. There hasn't been anything released recently, but (laughs) we got Moonfall came out. That came out. Um, I didn't realize, so after the fact, who who wrote and directed Moonfall, (laughs) and it makes perfect sense. It's it's end of the world big uh, Roland Emmerich. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty nuts and, and all that. So you can hear about that. And, of course, you can hear about the latest Peacemaker, Servant, Book of Boba Fett, Snowpiercers, Piercers, and Loas, and comic books, and the news. So what happened this past week? <laughs> Dakota Johnson is in talks, apparently, to be Madame Web. So I think they've mentioned this before. I think they've talked about doing a Madame Web movie and some other stuff, you know, when when Sony's like, yeah, we're gonna do all these, these spider related movies. And oh my god, it's just I get why they're doing it. I mean, they they're taking advantage. They they have the rights to Spider-Man ish stuff. And they're they're not that they're milking it, but they're they're trying to just develop whatever they can. You know, so we have Venom, we had Carnage, we have Morbius coming out, and you know, they're like, Let's do Madame Webb. It it just seems weird to start with Madam Web. It's, you know, because why not do Jessica Drew, you know, Spider-Woman? That that would be really cool. Or, you know, do do Spider-Gwen somehow. But I guess that would be a little harder. Where to start with, so the thing. Dakota Johnson. I like Dakota Johnson. You know, she she's she's been good in, in other things, and I feel like she gets a lot of flack because of Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever. But you know, a peanut what a peanut butter falcon, whatever snowman falcon and snowman peanut butter pelican, uh, whatever that movie was. She was good in that, and and she's good in other things. I I you know she's been in that comedy with Rebel Wilson. I I don't remember what they're called. So whatever. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see what, what she could do. But Madam Web, so, you know, that, that's the other thing. Dakota Johnson, Madam Web. Madam Web is generally seen or known as being an elderly blind woman you know, with with visions or whatever. And, yeah, she was reborn. She, you know, Julia Carpenter became the new Madam Web. So it's like, is Dakota Johnson going to be the Julia Carpenter character, which would seem like you're skipping a whole lot. Or are they just going to do a younger version of Madam Web? You know, she doesn't have to be old. I don't know. But she's like, Madam Web. And that's the thing. It's like, what was, was it? It was Dakota Johnson. She's like, man, I want to do a superhero movie. And they're like, hey, uh, we got Madam Web. You want to try out for that? And Because I, I would think, you know, actors, depending on how committed they want to be to a superhero role, You'd want to be kind of selective. A lot of the good stuff is taken. there. I'm sure there's still so much good stuff out there that are available, but to do something like Madame Web, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's also funny they're 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 kind of billing it as the first solo female spinoff from the Spider-Man mm. universe suction whatever it's 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 too it's a shame that they're making such a big deal it's the first female one but i guess it it is the first female one you know if we have three three spider-man movies and then two venoms and morbius so it's about time but it's madam webb so i just i don't know about that i don't know speak so i mentioned roland emmerich he, he wants to do more moonfall movies what how can he do that you, you well, I'll talk about that later uh, basically like if this is success if this is successful and I almost can't say that he wants to do more I think that it wasn't he recently this is where I, did, I didn't put two and two together I think he he recently made a statement or something like that and it was probably taken out of context because that's what people like to do where he was saying how Marvel and Star Wars the, the Marvel and Star Wars movies are, is ruining like Hollywood or movie ruining the movie industry, and basically what that means, I mean, because there is some kind of truth to it. You know, people people love the Marvel and Star Wars movies, me included, or me especially, whatever you want to say. You know, you, you go these movies, these movies make money. They make so much. I mean, look how much money Spider Man made, considering we're still in a pandemic, and you know, you're looking at all these other movies that are barely making anything, which is is sad. So. It feels like the studio, you know, Marvel or Disney, you know, they, they kind of know what they're doing. And even if you look at Spider or Sony, they're like, hey, we want to get in on this, too, and everything. So, you know, people are trying to do these, these type of movies. The downside is we're not getting a whole lot of, like, overly creative or artsy movies. And, you know, by artsy, they don't have to have be- – like, I look at, like, Last Night in Soho – not the greatest movie ever made, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I feel like I feel like I've talked about it so many times or so much with uh, amongst other people and you know message you know whatever, waiting for it to come out a, a, on on Blu-ray you know 4K whatever. It was a good movie, and I I loved you know me. I love movies with twists like old M Night Shyamalan whatever. <laughs> Old, I love that movie. Yeah, you know, I, I like a, tri- a trippy movie. I'm trying to think what else that I've seen. See, I can't even think of what I've seen. You know, or I look at like Archive 81, which you know was a Netflix show, but it has nothing to do with superheroes in it. You know, so I I love this other stuff that we get. Don't get me wrong, I love Hawkeye, I love Peacemaker. You know, I love Peacemaker not not Marvel, but it's the same idea. You know, Boba Book of Boba Fett. I'm I'm loving all this stuff. I want to just consume it all but we're not getting a whole lot of other stuff you know or the stuff that we're getting they're not that profitable and so it becomes a risk and in studios we might be like well you know why should we put you know 100 million 200 million budget you know whatever for this movie if it's if it may not even make a profit so that's that's kind of the problem and you can't really fault you can't blame Disney, you can't blame Marvel or Star Wars be that, because people want that. I mean, it'd be one thing if they're just cranking out garbage and just slapping the logo on there. I mean, for the most part, I, I've enjoyed all the Star Wars and, and and Marvel movies. So, But it's like what people want. They do such a good job, and it, whether it's escapism or whatever, so I don't know. And speaking of, of Marvel and Disney... Apparently Loki is going to begin production this summer, so we'll get season two. I don't know if it's a spoiler. I mean, it's it's almost like a given. But uh, what's her name? We played uh, Renslayer, Ramona, Ravona, Renslayer. What was her name? She's back for season two. Which, if if they didn't, that would be weird. Weird because they they left that hanging. And she's like, I know there's a season two. I know I'm in it. That's all I know. So whether that's really the case, I mean, maybe she hasn't seen script yet. It could be possible. Um, CW, let's talk, there's, I think, I feel like I got a few CW things to talk about. Uh, CW's first female Zorro show. Why? Whatever, that's fine. Just got, like, a six script order, because, so there was a pilot. They had the pilot episode, and I guess the CW's like, hey, let's, okay, we want six more, at least. So, we have a total of seven, and I guess we'll have to see, I don't know, I mean, I don't even know if I've checked, I think, is, I was Robert Rodriguez involved that makes me like maybe I might want to check it out but I'm not a big zorro fan I don't care who who zorro is I don't care if, if it's a female zorro you know whatever that that's fine but I just I'm just not into zorro there's also uh Donald Faison is apparently going to appear in Legends of Tomorrow and it's not clear who he's going to be. I think the idea is they would love for him to appear in the next season, if there is a next season, as well. But from the description, it said something about some hero, like it's mentioned something like golden years and something trying to boost his ego. So could it be Booster Gold? Donald Faison is Booster Gold. I mean, okay, yeah, we'll have to see. And Because I think there's there's mentioned like, time travel stuff as well, and we'll see. I haven't watched – I don't think I've watched – I don't know if I'm two episodes behind now. Um, see, I, I knew that was going to happen. I watched the second episode. Cause I talked about the first one. I watched the second one, and then – yeah, I don't know how many I have because I'm not talking about it now on the show, so I – got to try to get caught up, but we'll see. Um, Rick Cosnet, he plays Eddie Thawne or played Eddie Thawne on Flash. So he's going to appear, in, I guess, in multiple episodes in this season. And um, apparently, I think, I, I saw that he's going to appear in multiple seasons. He might be back in the next season. I don't know if that was him or if that was Donald Faison or t- I, that I'm thinking of. But apparently, each time that he appears, he's like a different character so, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. I, there might have been a trailer or a clip of what's coming up with The Flash, but we saw from where the last one, last episode ended, or left off, where Flash and Iris's kid, uh, Bart and Iris, they, like, went back in time a little bit, like, before the react or whatever the thing went off. So, that could mean Eddie is still alive, and and if they're back in time, are is are they messing? Is th- are things getting mucked up? And that's why we get different versions. I don't know. We'll have to see. So, okay. Um, remember that Gotham Knights CW show where it said that Batman's son is teaming up with his enemies because they were all the the enemy. Batman is dead. His enemy. His enemies' kids are accused of killing him or something like that. So then I think it was Robin was going to team up with them. And then my question was like, well, which Robin is it going to be? You know, Because we have Dick Grayson in Titans and we had Jason Todd. And, but um, what I read today is that Damian, it's going to be Damian Wayne? It's like, okay, so that, that gives us a different Robin. I still don't know about this whole idea, uh, teaming up with Batman's villains kids. It's like, really? Alright. <laughs> Titans, oh while wow, we're talking of DC. Uh, so HBO Titans uh the next season, was it season 4? There's not a date yet, but they've hired some some people, some villains it looks like. So Joseph Morgan is going to be playing Brother Blood. If he, I'm, I'm not going to tell you who the character, you can look him up if you don't know. Uh Franca Potente is going to be playing Mother Mayhem and Lisa Embella is is going to be playing Jinx. So I'm, 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 I'm interested to see Jinx, see what they're going to do. So, okay, we, we have more to look at. I just wonder, what are you going to do with Scarecrow? Because since he knows all the secrets, are they going to you know say anything about him or or not? Uh, David Hayter. So he is a voice of Solid Snake. He's vo- voice of Solid Snake. He also wrote, I think, the scripts for... X-Men, X2, I think, Watchmen, and some other stuff. He is uh, going to be writing and executive producing an um, uh, American McGee's Alice TV series. So I, I c- unfortunately can't speak much of America uh, McGee's Alice. It always looked uh, interesting, like, you know, because it's basically like Alice in Wonderland, but with a dark twist to it. So I was like, oh, that, that seems kind of cool. So they're going to do a TV series, so... Um, I think that's gonna be a good. That could be cool. So I, and I'm not overly invested. So I'm not like, oh man, they better do it right. It's like I hope they do it right, but I hope it's good and entertaining because then I'll talk about it. And there's uh, no mention like what, where, what TV, like what's. So they're probably working on it, and then they're gonna try to shop it around or something. So we'll have to see, wait and see about that. Um, And then I guess the last bit of news. I feel like there's something else I'm forgetting. Uh, there's going to be another Stephen King. So Bad Robot is going to be adapting another Stephen King's book as a, like a, a TV series. So I don't know where. I wonder if it's going to be on Hulu because that's where uh, – although I guess they weren't – I'm trying to think what else Bad Robot did. They did 112263, which I, I loved. Um, they're doing Billy Summer's. I just recently listened to the audiobook of Billy Summers and I really liked it. It was so weird. It, it almost it didn't feel like a Stephen King book. Basically Billy Summers is a hitman and he wants to retire. So he's going to do like one last last gig. And Billy Summers, he's a pretty smart guy, but he kind of plays it off that he's not too bright. Like he's a little dim, a little slow. And um and you know he's not going to tell people that that's not the case. You I know mean, he just like kind of uses that. But he's a he's a good and successful hitman. And in order to do this this last gig, he has to basically entrench himself. He has to like go undercover, like be become part of the the community of this this town. And I, I feel like I'm starting to say too much of the story. But what what's interesting is. Um, so you got this whole whole buildup where you know he's he's living in his house and he becomes you know the neighbors have like a couple kids and he plays board games with you know he goes over there and he watches the kids and has the neighborhood over for barbecues and you know he's getting like really involved with them and can, and people have no idea who he is they think he's a writer that he's just writing some some book but you know and and he's not talking about it non or disclosure or NDA or or something whatever uh, and then you know then after you know it's like there's like more to the story than just about this trying to t- take out someone and i i won't give say anything more so i i enjoyed it it was a really book a really good really good book i think that's what i was trying to say and so I'm, I'm I'm curious to see how that would go because yeah it was just weird because I I and I love a long Stephen King book I know some people used to always say man his books are so long or whatever but no I, I feel like there's just so much to it and it just just keeps going and and I just I couldn't get enough so I, I just enjoyed it and I I think it was it's probably like a 30, 40 hour audiobook I don't even remember how long it was but it it was long and, it, and I enjoyed it. And hopefully you enjoyed this, because that is it for the news. That was a bad segue. That's it for news. All right, with comic books this week at Image Comic, we had Crossover Issue 11. And so I'm, I'm enjoying the series. I, I like, I, you know, I, I, as I keep saying, I like the concept with everything. It still kind of nags, bugs me a little bit, the, the fact that we can't get, Other mainstream characters, and and it's just—it's really too bad. I don't know if Donny Cates has asked anyone. I mean, he's—he's working for Marvel, you know. But there's probably no way they're gonna say, "Hey, can I use Spider-Man or you know, Hulk or someone?" So it's kind of too bad that the whole idea is we're seeing all these. But we are seeing other other characters, and um, there's a there there's a a big character that this shows up in this issue because we've seen like the christian walker and and dina pilgrim you know from powers which is cool that they're here um one of the things that was a little kind of weird is like Donnie cates is in this issue so it's like all right you know you're writing yourself into your own comic which you know we've seen that other people have done it uh okay that's fine but also also the whole idea is they're looking at it it's like hey you wrote this story you you did this whole thing so you need to fix it and he's like, I didn't. You know, basically, he's saying he, you know, he wrote an outline like some years back, but he never did anything with it. He never finished it, and so it, it's a little weird there. But then, like, someone else shows up, and uh, um, we'll just say it. it look, I'm looking at the synopsis. Like the latest chapter has it all. As we explore the insane world beyond the dome. Oh, and then there's, and then it says removed by the Kirkman estate. I'll just say there's a Kirkman character that shows up here and it's, it's like, that's, that's not going to be a good thing for the, for the people involved. That's just weird. A Geiger, 80 page giant. Uh, so with this 80 pages, awesome. Cool. You know, and it's 799, you know, it's, it's a deal. And we're, so it says, okay, monstrous 80 page pages of all new stories featuring Geiger, as well as his allies and enemies. First, in an extra size lead story, Jeff Johns Brian Hitch introduced a mysterious man known as Redcoat, and reveal his bizarre ties American Revolution. So that was kind of cool. That that was interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing more with that. Like what? The, yeah, that that was something. It's the unknown war into Geiger himself. Then discovered the secrets of the warlords of Las Vegas, Bonnie Borden, Goldbeard, Mr. Karloff, and more. Series written and drawn by some of the greatest writers and artists today, plus the special origin tale of Geiger's favorite two-headed dog, Barney. So that that was good. Um, And a preview of Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's new upcoming series, Junkyard Joe. So there's a a lot of people involved with this. Jay Ferber, Sterling Gates, uh, Janet Harvey, Leon Hendricks uh, III. Um, Peter Tomasi, uh, Sean Galloway had some art that was cool. Kelly Jones, so the Sterling Gates story it has art by Kelly Jones. It's just like immediately right when you see it, it's I feel like I'm like back in the 80s reading a Batman comic or something, you know, just that's what I associate. Paul Pelletier, Joe Prado, so there's just a lot, lot going on here. And like I said, it's 80 pages, but to be perfectly honest, as I was reading this, this is one of the last comics I read, and again, I don't know if that's part of it, but. Part I think I think the main thing for me, the problem I had is because there's like all these other characters that I don't really know. I mean, I'm really fascinated with what jeff Johns and and Gary Frank set up with a uh, with Geiger and that. but so now we're we're seeing more of the outskirts of this world, which is cool and everything. But just getting these glimpses of these other characters, I'm just like, okay, who is this? What is this? And and then when you have some of these other characters not written by Jeff Johns, which, you know, that's that's fine. You know, it doesn't have to all be written by Jeff. But then it just kind of feels like, okay, how, how act, not how accurate, how, you know, get what I'm saying? Because, you know, it, 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 is it completely, did Jeff Johns have any say? Did they say, Hey, I'm gonna do this character and do this, and he's like, "Yeah, that would work perfectly." Or, you know, whatever, it shouldn't matter. But it just—it was hard for me to get like fully invested because it's like, who are these other characters? And and maybe I'm gonna regret it later, or maybe I'm gonna, you know, as I'm reading something, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, they, they, this character appeared here. What happened? I didn't pay attention, and I got to go back and find the issue and, and try to read it." But I don't know. So it started off—I I was really enjoying it, but then. I think for me, and I it's in general, I say this before with like the, the 80 page, 100 page books, it's too much for me personally, because I feel compelled to read like all this stuff and then it becomes less fun for me and it's more, you know, whatever work. So it might be different for me. So don't let my complaints or my exasperation or whatever, you know, get in your way. You know, it, it's definitely a cool book. And, you know, like I said, there's a lot there, but. It's it's just it gets to be a bit much for me, and I don't know if that just sounds dorky or weak or whatever. Um, Then there's Magic Order Two, issue four of six. And speaking of too much, like I said before, I feel like I just talked about this. I I I think I feel like there's too many characters, and I really don't know who all the players are. And I liked. See, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing I said last time. Yeah, you know, I like the concept in this world and everything that that's being developed and fleshed out. But the fact that there's so many characters and I'm trying to keep track of like who's who and who's connected to who and oh wait, is this person getting killed? Who's that? I don't know. Did I see this person before? And um, yeah, so there's just a lot going on here. Um, Stuart Immonen's art is is just really great. So I I feel bad that I'm not more invested. And maybe if I if I reread the series as a whole that, you know, and, and, you know, maybe it's like going back and rereading the first one, which, you know, I like, I don't even remember how the, the first one ended, like, was there a cliffhanger? What, how, you know, so that could all be on me, but uh, yeah. So you have that. Um, I, and I'm looking forward to, I hope we get word of a magic order Netflix show. Cause I, I cannot wait for that. Then there's newborn issue three, which I'm still confused by this because it's it's Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips' newborn, but I think it was Nadia Shamas who wrote it. So I don't know, I don't know. Is is Chip Zdarsky laying out stuff? Like, he is he does he plot it? Does he? And then Nadia writes everything. I, I don't know. But um, uh, so that, who is newborn? He's he's this dude. He he works for like all the different like crime families and the police. He he is. The rumor is, like, was he a cop once upon a time? So he gets, like, access to, like, crime scenes and, and, you know, morgues and, you know, everything like that. And he just tries to get to the bottom of things. And so even though he's working for rival gangs or family, crime families or whatever, you know, he's basically, like, untouchable. You know, because he, he's going to get to the bottom and, you know, it's it's kind of good for everyone. You know, they, they allow that, which is really unheard of and that's what makes this concept like so so cool so um what's happening in this issue all the different crime families are getting hit so they're like okay what is going on who's doing this and and the deaths look similar so it's like is someone targeting all the different crime families is one family targeting the others oh wait why is this family not have as many deaths as this you know they weren't hit as hard as this one what's going on and and then they're like hey Newburn, you're supposed to be you know solving this how come you don't know yet and so, it's, I, I, I didn't enjoy this issue. So, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting that, to see that. Noctara, issue seven. So, this is a, the beginning of a, a new story arc. And what, what's kind of cool with this, so Noctera Val, you know, she's the leader, you know, of this like truck convoy. And, you know, the, I, I don't, I don't want to describe the whole story. Basically, the world is in darkness and there's these creatures that live in the dark and they'll like attack you and eat you whatever like that so light is the only thing that kind of keeps them back uh, so you know they're, they're constantly driving around trying to find different places where they can fuel up and everything like that and trying to get some answers and you know is there a cure for this you know why did this happen you know we, we saw a little little glimpses of that and then there's blacktop bill who he, we got his origin and like the the special the one shot that came out just just recently, but what what's kind of cool about this is uh, the narration kind of takes it's it's this, the girl who just joined it was this girl and a grandfather that you know they were trying to get a passage to another area, so she's kind of taking the lead with the narration part. You know Val and her brother are, are still you know in the picture and all that and you know they they get to this place it's and they're like they make this kind of weird discoveries like wh- where is everyone what happened where doesn't look like they're attacked you know and so different things are happening so it's it's um i i'm i'm really enjoying this this the series and and tony daniel's art is is just fantastic okay other stuff at image there was a official image timeline which i i didn't look at that um i'm, I'm really curious what this is so it's 7.99 uh, just time to celebrate Image's 30th anniversary. Image archivist and co founder Jim Valentino details the company's history, warts and all, in the single most comprehensive chronolo- chronology of the company will ever publish, or featuring rarely seen covers, photos, milestones, behind the scenes events from the company's marvelous beginnings to the present. Uh, this is a chronicle of all future histories will be judged against. Okay, so 64 prestige format uh i'm i'm, I'm kind of interested in that but yeah i didn't check that out so, uh, spawn came out spawn 326 scumbag 312 i haven't um i'm so behind on scumbag um i just i had such a i just didn't like the character because he is a scumbag but i it's rick remender i feel bad that i'm not reading this but yeah so i, I don't know about that so that was um that was uh image there wasn't anything at boom that i read at dc we had detective comics 1051 so it's i'm serious is this a weekly book now uh, which i guess i'm not complaining but <laughs> so Mar- mariko tamaki I, I haven't really given her enough enough credits with this i mean she's been doing a great job with with this tower the, the tower whatever arkham tower and we i guess we can i can say now but uh psycho pirate is is involved so it's like is he why all the the villains are so docile and cooperative what is this miracle drug that you know they're they're using to cure everyone and you know what's going on so we're, we're getting more details and i don't want to give too much away in case you haven't you know read the, the story arc yet if you're like waiting for it to be collected but there's a a lot of like it's like a, a big sticky situation that brewing and you know we have other people that are in the inside you know huntress is in there harley quinn's in there which i think she's working with the others uh and then batwoman is in there dick grayson's in there uh you know and like working roles so like just things are just like ready to explode and, and we've seen glimpses at the end and it, it's it's not gonna be good <laughs> For, for for those involved and batman i think he's not involved here i think he's left town and you know because in the pages of batman you know he's out of the country and everything so things are just going to get really messy and then you know we have uh the house of gotham uh backup story so it's like the kid that joker killed his parents or whatever and and there's stuff like with him and scarecrow and you know that's just it's getting a uh, messier messier so that that's been pretty good Batman 120. So here is a, it's continued a story with the abyss with abyss the a new character abyss, and uh, so Batman goes to check out like what's going on with Batman Inc and everything like that and what he's found out is like Lex Luthor is involved with with Batman Inc somehow, and they've been accused of killing this this guy Abyss but Abyss is, isn't dead and I feel like I'm saying too much now but but when Batman faces off against Abyss abyss does something to make that makes batman go blind and it doesn't look like it's like wearing off or anything like that so it's like what is how is he gonna continue you know if, if he can't see well obviously he's you know batman he's gonna try to do other things but there's that and then you know lex and batman have met you know lex wants bruce to work you know they we should work together but obviously bruce doesn't want anything to do with lex and yeah so it's it's just it's it's building up and then there's a kind of like a revelation at the end which is like okay and uh so things are i i'm really digging this this storyline it's 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 really cool suicide squad issue 12 i i think i'm i don't think i've read the last issue or two so i i read this uh rick flag is kind of going up against amanda waller and um you know, she's still continuing her thing with, like, Earth-3. So I don't know if she just wants to mine Earth-3 for, you know, her her soldiers, which still is just seems crazy. So, you know, I've, I've normally enjoyed the, the Suicide Squad books, but it's just, I don't know, lately I, it hasn't really been doing it so much for me, and I don't know if it's just the idea that, you know, they're they're being forced to do this, you know, are not that they're like slaves or not, but you're, you know, you're taking a criminal you're planting a bomb in their head and you're saying, Hey, you're going to go on these missions or we're going to you know, blow you up. It's one thing, I guess if they volunteer and, you know, when they say, Hey, we'll take off, you know, 10 years of your sentence or a year or whatever, for, for every mission you survive. That's one thing. But if Amanda Waller is like going to other alternate earths and kidnapping people and enforcing them, that's, that's like a different story, and that's just what's up with that? So I, I don't know. That just seems weird. Dark Knights of Steel, Issue Four. So here we get kind of like the the origin of um, with with Batman, this Night Batman, and you know his parents and his heritage. I guess you can say, and like what happened shortly after Jonathan and... or Kyle, J- jor Jorel. <laughs> Jor-el and and Lara landed on earth and it's it's interesting i'm surprised that I, as much well, i shouldn't be surprised how much i'm liking this because tom taylor is writing it but when it was first announced i was like okay yeah cool tom taylor he's he's doing you know something else but i'm not like a really big fan of the like medieval time period and and you know that's why like you know lord of the rings sorry it's i, I don't love it you know i i'm not a huge fan of just that that era. I don't know what it is. And I think that's why I haven't been able to get into game of Thrones. You know, I haven't watched it and, and I'm trying to catch up. I started catching up like a few years back. It's been, it's been a few years now since I watched it, but I, I think I'm up at season four, it's three or four. And yeah, cause it was long before HBO max started. And so I don't even, it's so now it's not going to save my progress. I don't know what was the last episode I watched, but this is really good, and and I, I really like the the mix of the superhero in this era. And you know, at first I was like, man, I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit, but I, I'm really, really digging the the combination too, and how how it's all working. Um, Justice League Incarnate, this is it's just not working for me. I don't I don't know what it is, and and I don't know if I'm just burnt out on Dark Side, um, and Multiverse. I feel like we're getting so much Multiverse stuff. You know, it, it's cool. It, it gives a it gives an opportunity f- to see different things and different versions of characters you know so you can you can just really mix things up or or even we're seeing like familiar other versions alternate versions that you know we've seen in the past you know there's some cool things but i it's just i don't know what something about it it just hasn't really been working for me and i'm i'm finding that i'm 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 realizing this more and more i'm, I'm feeling like you know cuz before i used to gobble up everything and now i, I don't know if, it's not that i'm being more selective but maybe i just not as as tolerant, I don't know, or or maybe I'm just you know turning into a grumpy old man. You know, get off my lawn. I don't know. One Star Squadron. I am loving this. I, I love and you know Mark Russell, Steve Lieber, um, Dave Stewart doing colors. Uh, this is just it's it's it. This is almost like a unk, makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit. So uh, so what this is about? There's this. Um, <laughs> There's this one funny moment. Uh, I'm going to mention it here. So this corporation, basically, it's like an app where you can request a hero to appear at a birthday party or, you know, make some sort of appearance or whatever. And so Red Tornado is, like, running this. And there are a lot of, like, D-list heroes and everything like that. But it's getting to the point now where, like, there's one. We see this one situation where there's a bunch of people, like their, their boat sank or something like that, and there's a hero there. But then he gets an emergency call to appear at a like a Halloween party or something like that. So he's like, um, "I'll send a boat to come get you," but I, you know, he's got to take this alert and everything like that. But we we see this this company, <laughs> they they have these like alternate names for <laughs> other business. Anyways, it's uh, and Superman's not happy about it, so he's he's you know, complaining to them. And so it's, um, and then there's just like some tension. Cause uh, like red, so red tornado's is like, he's like the manager of this thing. And, and there's been complaints made against him. So it's like, is he going to get fired? And so I'm just really enjoying this world of Krypton issue three. I'm enjoying this more than I thought I would too. But, it, but again, it's Robert Venditti and I, I dig his writing. Uh, and then Michael Avon Oming does the, the art so, we're you know, we're just seeing more of the early days of, not the early days, but just, you know, before Kal-El was even born, you know, just seeing what, what Krypton was and getting glimpses of, you know, the, the world Krypton being in danger and just seeing just the different factions. And so I, I like that. And I like that there's kind of like a hint of, of, of Zod and, and Jor-El kind of being... You know, friends, you know, uh, I don't know where that first started, but I know Jeff Johns, you know, played on that a lot as well. So I, I like that idea that, you know, they they have different beliefs or backgrounds or, you know, but, you know, they, they have that mutual respect or something like that. So I, I I like that. And then, you know, things are brewing. And so I'm, I'm digging it. Monkey Prince issue one. So This is by Gene Luen Yang. Um, Bernard Chang does the art. Um this was this was okay. You know I I can't say that I loved it. I I'm intrigued by the character and to see where this is going to go. Um there is a Batman sort of connection. You know he appears in here if if you want to call that a connection. But so we we basically get the majority, you know, good good portion of the origin for uh Monkey Prince. Um that being said, it was it was just like an okay or I mean it's it's kind of like an average origin. Um, there there's a little bit of a a twist to it I guess that that separates it from like other new character origins or whatever. But you know, he, Monkey Prince is you know he's I said I don't want to give well whatever you know it's not really a spoiler. But he's like a high school kid and you know. He, like, he doesn't have any powers. What's going on? Where, where's this monkey prince coming from? What's the deal? Um, what's more interesting is his parents. So his parents aren't dead. They're not murdered or anything like that. But their profession is what makes it a little different. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And I don't know where, where this is going to go. So we'll have to see. Wait, what? I'm trying looking at the synopsis. and Okay. So it's... It's, it's definitely um, interesting. I, I would say, you know, it, the, it's for a first issue, whatever, it's worth checking out. But we'll have to see where this is going to go. And, and, you know, maybe it's just a matter of, you know, laying out the story and all that. So, you know, once all that is, is sorted out, then, you know, it can really dive into, you know, telling other stories. And so, yeah, I don't know where this is going to go. But, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm curious to see that. At Marvel... Uh, I hope I read everything at Marvel. We had Amazing Spider-Man issue 88. More of Beyond and everything like that. It, and it's just, it's kind of, it's starting to get out of control or it has been out of control. So this, wow, um, oh man, now I'm forgetting her name. Is her name Janice? This lady in charge. She's just, she's just like kind of ridiculous. I mean, she's so, she's not a good person, I, I guess we we can say, and you know, the whole thing here is who is, is a queen goblin. And, um, it has something to do with, with beyond that they're, they're kind of responsible. And, um, I don't think she, you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't feel bad or anything like that. So things are, what has happened recently is doc. Ock is upset with what beyond has been doing because they've, they're using his like intellectual property from when he was in Peter Parker's body and running Parker and, industries or whatever and so he he got a hold of some secrets and then ben riley got it and he gives it to his girlfriend who took off with it so um goblin queen's kind of sent out to go get her type of thing and then you know so ben's gonna have to have to you know try to get in there as well so um it's i think it's pretty clear when you read this who queen goblin is that's I that seems kind of weird if, if that's the case, so I don't know. I don't know if it's just so super obvious that that's what it is, or if it's like so super obvious that they're trying to trick us, but I think it's pretty clear who it is. Um, so that's that's going to be weird, and I don't think it was like a voluntary choice, so we'll have to see where, where that's going to go. Um, Avengers Tech On Issue 6 came out, I haven't read the last few issues. Um, <laughs> I thought this. this I'm just noticing all the covers now. I'm looking at on the Marvel app. <laughs> I I should read that. It, it's it seems like very silly, but you yeah, know we'll see. Daredevil, woman without fear. So this is a second issue. This is how many issues is this? I think this is a three issue series, which is weird because we don't get many three issues. It's usually like four or six. So it's more about a lecture and everything like that. she has her tied to the hand. You know, she wants to take down to hand, but you know she's kind of. They have their hooks in her and everything like that. And the we're we're still. This is happening in the current time with the kingpin and with this stupid. Heroes are illegal and everything like that. So, at basically what what's going on? What happened in the last issue is Craven Hunter. Is going after Electra. which is just like. I mean, Craven Hunter is a, a great character. He's a great villain. But I feel like every time we see him now, it's like an insult to Craven's last hunt. He's become such a cliche since then. And, you know, even when he's well written, it's like it's not that. It, he still comes across as, uh, like, I don't know. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. So basically, like, what's he doing here? He's hunting Electra. What? <laughs> Why? And basically, because he wants to hunt, the, it's like, oh, I want to hunt the. Per- You're an assassin, so I'm going to hunt you, because he wants a challenge for himself. So it's like, why doesn't he hunt like Bullseye? Not saying that Bullseye is better than, but I, I feel like with hunting a villain like Bullseye, that's going to be more dangerous because at least hunting hunting Electra, especially if you know she's been more of a hero lately. It's not going to be as deadly. So Craven doesn't have to worry about Elektra killing him unless she's just like, okay, I've had enough. But it's like if he were to go after bullseye bullseye is not gonna hesitate. but so is, does that mean like Craven's just he's too chicken to hunt someone that might kill him like that, so he's only going to go after Spider-Man who doesn't kill, you know so that that's just it just seems like such such a waste. And then the whole thing just with F- Wilson Fisk's Thunderbolts you know, he, he's, and we see this in the other issues, he has like villains that he's like deputizing and the general populace doesn't have any, any problem with this. It's like, they're not idiots. You know, they, they may not have as much information as weed readers do, but it's like, they got to know, there's got to be, if they have someone like Rhino being a thunderbolt, it's like, come on, everyone knows he's a villain So there's, like, there's this other, something else happens. I'm just like, really? It's like, come on, man. It's like, people can't be that. It's, It's just, it's such a stretch that Wilson Fisk is doing all this and no one is calling him on this. And that he's still ahead in the polls. It's like, that's just ridiculous. Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha. So this is by Dan Slott and Carlos Pacheco. Man, this, uh... This is like pulling out all the stops or whatever. Uh, so Uatu is back. Nick Fury is back, the unseen, whatever. And there's some, some big, crazy stuff going on here. So it's, it's almost like everyone's in here. You know, we have Fantastic Four. We have um, Avengers. We have uh, She-Hulk. Um, we have Silver Surfer. We have some X-Men uh, so yeah, some big, crazy things are happening and I don't want to give anything away, but basically, you know, some earth is getting attacked and while it almost seems like a lot of times, you know, earth is kind of off, off limits by, you know, there's like this accepted whatever rule, but some, some species are like getting together and just really causing some, some problems and, uh, hardcore action is taken against earth and so it's like how yeah that's how I'm like what you can't do that it's like how are they going to f- fix that so it's just big big crazy thing is well i'm excited that nick fury is back you know cuz i i miss him i i think he's you know i i loved having him it's not quite the same you know he's still hanging out with uatu but man i i'm, I'm just glad he's here Sabretooth issue 1 I am not a Sabretooth fan. I cannot stand it's almost I, I almost don't like him as much as Omega Red. And I th- I think part of the problem I have with, with Sabretooth, is I it might it might be like the same thing I have against Carnage is you know Sabretooth is is basically like a vicious killer. You know, he would, would I think he would not hesitate to kill like a kid if if a, if a kid got in his way or whatever. So, you know, my my problem with like Carnage is, you know, he's like this serial killer who's like sick and twisted and I don't feel like he should be gl- glorified in any way. And it's the same thing with with Sabretooth. You know, he's not a good character. And yeah, he was he was good for a little while. That was just that was just kind of silly. So with the thing the stuff that Sabretooth does and the whole thing is like you're not supposed to kill and everything like that and it's like okay, he gets gets his hand slapped or he gets um sentenced whatever, but then you know he's able to work his way around there. And then he yeah, there's one point where he's like a, he's fighting the X-Men and he just obliterates them all. And it's like that's just that just seems silly. That would never happen. Did it really happen? Did it not happen? I'll let you read and find out and but yeah, so I just I don't think so. I don't care for Sabretooth having his own series. Th- In my opinion, he doesn't need one. He doesn't need a series, but whatever. Uh, Savage Spider-Man issue one. So this is uh, by Joe Kelly, and it's it's kind of, I guess it's picking up after nonstop Spider-Man. And I'm trying to f- remember how that last issue ended, because here it starts off where, you know, spider Man's he's this spider beast thing, and Zemo's here, and they're i i feel like it's like wait did i miss an issue was there an issue zero or a half that i missed and um yeah so it's it's kind of like i don't know if i really care as much which i hate to say shang chi issue eight so more of the family drama shang chi and his family and his dad and his mom and fighting and um history about childhood and family secrets all that stuff's going on here. So there's just a lot going on here. So if you're, you've are you been enjoying the series, you're going to enjoy this issue. Spider-Woman issue 19. Why are there two Spider-Womans on the cover? So um, does it say Spider-Woman versus Spider-Woman, but how? Um, spoiler, since it happened last issue. Spoiler, so if you want to skip like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. It's Queen Vronke from Secret Wars. I don't know if I gave you enough time to skip. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, um, Jessica's not happy with that, but things are gonna get messy, and um, that's the problem with those characters. Is is and the same thing like Mystique in X Men. You know, it's, it's it's almost like you have just huge unfair advantage that you know it just causes so many problems. So um, yeah, you have that Star Wars Crimson Rain issue two. So this was this was okay. I, you know, I'm interested in what's going on. You know, uh, they basically uh, Quora sends uh, two different killers. You know, kind of like a trial, to, you know, to see get them into the Crimson Guard. But it's like, hey, here's your targets. Go kill them or go do this. Not necessarily kill them. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. And then we have some High Republic books. Uh, there's Star Wars: The Halcyon Legacy. Um, I did not look, I don't think I, I looked at that. I skimmed through Star Wars, A High Republic issue 14, um, and it was okay. The thing issue four, I'm, I'm starting to lose a little steam on this one. It's, um, so Walter Mosley's writing and Tom, Tom Riley's art. I I'm really enjoying Tom Riley's art. The story is kind of losing me a little bit because, uh, it's, it's just, it's so, um, I don't even know. It's, it's kind of weird in a way. And it just, it doesn't feel like it's in, I mean, it's not, not in continuity. I mean, it would have been recent, you know, past continuity. I don't even know if it's in past continuity. But there's just some, some kind of weird things happening. And it's just it's almost like it's pulling the thing out of, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but there's just some really weird encounters happening for, for the thing. And just like the and he's hanging out with this lady and this kid and it's just that just seems a little out of character. But there's um some weird stuff going on and I don't know if that's that's probably like a horrible horrible uh sell on it, but yeah, it's it's something. But like I said, I'm I'm really enjoying the art. X Lies a Wolverine, issue two. So I oh I forgot to mention last week, so I read the last week and this one. I'm just not overly into this and and I feel maybe I missed it, but for some reason, Wolverine's going through time. He's going into his like, past lives at different points, and he's chasing after Omega Red. So I, my big question is, how is Omega Red doing this? So that's what I must have missed. And the, the problem is Omega Red is inhabiting different people, and I don't know if there's a cure. Like, if he leaves a person, it must be that they would be Okay but when wolverine's going into like a past body or, or past, in some cases like how is he even there you know it's not like he's going in necessarily into himself i don't think but when omega red takes over like someone else's body is like is there any way to expel him without killing the person and so like in in this issue it, it gets to this one point where if there's going to be repercussions if wolverine kills this person that's going to change things in a huge way last week there was also thor and i'm not super crazy about mjolnir being like sentient and being like kind of evil so there's stuff like that uh thor s- suffers a pretty pretty nasty injury and then uh what was the other other book there's something else that happened oh, it was it was x-men issue 7 so the whole thing is uh Cyclops, and we, we see it more, was it this week? Or maybe, maybe it was that one. Cyclops is, is uh, he gets killed publicly. And, you know, the X-Men have to hide the fact that they can revive themselves. The question is like, what are we going to do about Cyclops? Because he, basically the world thinks he's dead now. And so he, he takes on this new identity as Captain Krakoa, which is kind of funny. You know, we're seeing like, what happened, like how he got killed. And it was, uh, it was kind of brutal in in a way. And, uh, yeah, so there's some, I don't know where where things are going to go from there. Then there is a excellent issue one. So this is by Peter Milligan and Mike Allred. So it's basically in, uh, continuing the ecstatics, um, X force, you know, books that they, they've done. So I, I just, I love Mike Allred's art and Laura Allred's colors So there's a a lot of weird things. So basically, it's like um, ecstatic versus excellent, and the two teams are are really going at each other. And there's a lot. What what makes this feel just feels totally different from like regular Marvel books is they're a little more realistic on certain things. You know, so the teams they they uh, rely a lot on like social media, you know, getting people to follow them to build their popularity and stuff like that so you know that that plays an aspect of it and you know we have dupe here and and you know there's like a couple legacy characters from you know other other past ones so i'm just really enjoying it it's just it really feels like it's his own thing so even though it's like in the marvel universe it it doesn't quite feel like it and that that's not necessarily a bad thing so i just uh i just really really enjoy it and i just feel like people aren't going to necessarily look at this book or check this out you know they might not you know, like excellent. What's that? You know, are they gonna assume that it's an X Men book? Or are they not gonna assume that? Or, you know, are they gonna want to read it or not read it? But I just, I, I really, I really like this book, so I think you should check that out. You should like read Ecstatics also. I mean, those are just really, really good. Um, then X Men Legends issue eleven came out. I don't know if this was this part two or whatever. So is Louise um and Walt Simonson. I just didn't read this one because. I was yeah, it's like that era. Is like, do I want to jump back in there? And I, I just I didn't. So with that, that's going to be so. Read excellent. Get excellent number one. You can maybe still pick it up or get it digitally. That's going to be comics for the week. Um, just super briefly. I I'm not going to go in. I, I debated whether to talk about this. So so Pam and Tommy, uh, this came out on on Hulu. First three episodes dropped. So and we'll get an issue or issue, an episode every week. And uh, Sebastian Sebastian Stan plays Tommy Lee, Lily James plays Pamela Anderson, and uh, Seth Rogan's um, Seth Rogan's basically the guy who who steals the tape and, and sells it. So it deals with the sex tape of of Pam and Tommy and how it got out and sold. So it's it's kind of a weird story. It's like of, of all things, you know, we're gonna do a series on this when it first. Uh, was announced i thought it was just gonna be a movie i was like okay that will do that but it's it's a series uh and it's kind of interesting how it's it's diving into just going back into the era the air you know, in 1995 or whatever and just like really showing us the characters and you know the the first episode you know we, we see the seth rogan's character and you know how he came into possession of it you know how did he get a hold of the tape because you know the whole thing i don't think people really know the whole story you know it's like they just everyone i'm sure you know whether you've seen it or not i'm sure you know people have heard about that the fact that this tape exists that you know that was just huge you know everyone was talking about it you know whatever and and that was the thing that that really kind of bothered me the way it starts like you see this this uh interview it's it's like jay you know pam and anderson's on jay leno show you know, she's probably promoting something. And then he starts talking about, it. it's like, Oh, so let's, let's talk about this tape. And she's like, what tape? And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm not saying that I've seen it or anything, but it just, to me, that just seems such a skeezy thing to talk about, you know, cause I, I don't, I don't remember the details. I'm trying to think about like when that happened and what was out in the news or whatever. But the fact that this was someone's private tape, you know, cause they didn't release it. And I I feel like a lot of people, and I could be totally wrong, but I feel like people kind of blame them. It's like, well, you know, you guys made this tape, you know, it's your fault. You you know, you wanted it to come out or whatever. But it's like, no, they, they made this tape, you know, it was just for them, you know, private, intimate, whatever. And it, it got taken. And it, it's not even it's not even like their cell phone was hacked or something like that. It's like, no, it was, spoiler, it was in a safe, a huge safe that got stolen and broken into and and, and there's more to it, you know, why and how and all that, you know, is just a whole other, I don't want to give all that away. But it just feels like that's such a different thing. And the fact that it's like on a video team, you know, it's, it's so different where I, I feel like maybe like today, if, if it's like a digital image or a digital video, you know, it's easier to upload or whatever, but the fact that this was like an actual videotape and, and, you know, and the, it was being sold and that, that's the other thing, you know, you don't, you don't see that at the beginning. It's like, how the heck do you steal or how the heck do you sell a stolen videotape? You know, it's, it's like, it doesn't seem like you could do that unless like possession is nine tenths of the law. Or I don't know how, you know, they, they get into that. So anyway, it just, it just seems so wrong. That you know, it's it's out there, and you know whatever. Call me a prude if you want, but it, it's just it's it's just wrong. And I I think you know that's kind of like the the point of the series is like they're they're victims here, and you know we're, we're seeing their story. And even though like in the first episode, you see Tommy Lee's kind of a jerk, and you know he's. He's, you know, having some construction done at his house. And he's just switching things up and making demands and, you know, not being over realistic. And, you know, he's all about, you know, partying and everything like that. You know, he's a rock star living the life and everything. But, no, it doesn't matter how he is. It still doesn't make it okay, you know. So you get to see all that. The second episode, you know, we, we see, you know, Pam and Tommy, when they meet and when they, you know, get together. There's like the whole world, whirlwind romance and everything like that. Um, one thing that, although, it's, so the third episode, I haven't watched, actually, I haven't watched the third episode yet, I just realized. And one of the things I'm curious about, so this is a 95, and I, I think, I don't know if it was mentioned in The Dirt, the movie, but it was definitely mentioned in the book, that Pamela Anderson and Vince Neil actually dated, but I think it was like very briefly And I I looked it up after watching. I was like, because there's no mention when you see Pam and Tommy meet, it's not like he's like, hey, I'm in Motley Crue. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, it didn't seem like they knew each other. And I guess they didn't necessarily have to know each other. Because when, you know, I'm even though I know a lot about Motley Crue, and, you know, I'm not like an official historian. So I'm trying to think back. Maybe, you know, when they dated, you know, uh, Motley Crue could have been on a hiatus or maybe they weren't together. So, you know, Tommy Lee, maybe he just never met her. Or, you know, maybe he just didn't know or didn't realize. But I would think she would know, you know, if, if he mentions him hey, and Motley Crue and she's like, oh, yeah, my ex was a singer for Motley Crue, you know. So you have all that. But it, it's it's a nice, you know, when you see them get together and it, it's it's kind of, like, intense and and crazy, but the the two you know Sebastian Stan and, and Lily James they do such a good job in in, in the characters. There's some prosthetics and stuff involved, and, and, and then some, but it's it's just it's it's pretty amazing how they do a good job with it. And um, some of the Tommy Lee stuff looked a little a little weird. But like the the Lily, what they do with Lily James, I mean, it's it's just it's it's pretty impressive. At some point, it it doesn't even look like Lily James, you know. When you think this is a, the the actress who played Cinderella in that movie, and you know she was in uh, a Baby Driver, you know that that's what I really think of her. And and you know she, was she in Mamma Mia and um, and Downton Abbey? I think. So it's 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 a pretty pretty amazing show, and just to see how all this went down. That being said, it's uh, not a movie for the family, or not a series for the family. So uh, be aware of that. Unless you know you're whatever, let them watch, let, let your kids watch anything like that. But yeah, so there's some some uh, graphic stuff <laughs> involved, but it's it's not like in a necessary gratuitous way. You know, it, like the first first. Um, episode there there really isn't a whole lot second episode is it's mostly because it's when Pam and Tommy meet so you know of course we're gonna you know see something so just just keep that in mind but it's it's not like just because this is about their tape that's not necessarily the focus I'm assuming that's not going to be the focus of the series because it's more about the sale and the distribution and stuff like that but there's going to be stuff like you're seeing here and there throughout so so keep that in mind so that's all I'll say about that. Um, I'm 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 digging the show. I, I think they're doing a a good good job with with the production of it. And uh, I I need to watch this issue episode three, and then four comes out this week. Okay, then Superman and Lois season two episode four, the inverse method. So one of the things, that, you know, I guess it's it's been pretty clear, but I guess it's like over. It's official. Like this isn't in the Arrowverse universe, even though this Superman and Lois has appeared, you know, on Supergirl and then, you know, in the crisis crossover, Crisis on Infinite Earths. But because of, of Lucy Lane, this doesn't seem like, you know, it, it's uh, Jenna Dewan, is she still Jenna Dewan Tatum or just Jenna Dewan? It's the same actress who, who was Lucy in Supergirl, but it doesn't feel like the same version of Lucy. So let's just get to it. So it starts off five years ago. Lucy's like packing. She's been staying with like Lois and uh and Clark. At first I'm like, are they on, are they at the farm? But maybe they're at Metropolis or whatever. And you know, so she's wants to leave. She's like, you know, thanks and everything. But she's like, it's just too much, you know, because you know Lois has a perfect family, perfect life. You know, she has a husband and kids and everything like that. I don't know if um I don't know if Lucy knows that clark is, is superman I, I feel like she doesn't hear, but i could be wrong um she I, it would have to be that she doesn't know she must not know so she says that you know it's only making things worse for her she needs to be around other people who understand her and you know know what she's going through and so she says that you know she's gonna go s- stay with Allie for a while so Allie alston is this lady that lois says you know wrote the article against that you know is involved with this cult or whatever and uh you know, and she says she's going to stay with Allie until she can afford her own place. But Lois is like, you know, Allie's a parasite. You know, she grabs onto people, you know, trying to convince them that they need her. And, you know, but Lucy's like, she says she has like a hole in her. And, you know, it's like Allie's already helped her. So then in the present, um, so Lois was supposed to meet with with Lucy at, at a, a diner, but then Allie showed up instead. So Lois asks Allie, she's like, where's my sister? And Allie's like, she didn't want to see you. And Lois says, you mean you wouldn't allow her to see me? And Allie's like, I don't force any of my congregants to do anything that they don't want to. And Lois mentions them. I think she calls them like the inverse society or if someone says that. Or or maybe she calls them the inverse society, but Lois calls them a cult. And Allie says that they're a group on a journey and she's just leading the way. Lois says that Lucy was in pain and and, uh, Allie exploited that. And now she's a shell of who she once was. You know, she's sheltered herself from her friends and family. Allie's like, not all of them. She's like, she calls her father regularly. And Lois is like, yeah, but he didn't have to pull her from a bathtub to bring her back to life. And Allie's like, she wasn't dying. She was ascending to another plane. And then Lois mentions this Heather Ackerman or whoever. You know, I guess she died. And Allie's like, "Oh, you know, she was a different story. She had a heart condition that you know, she didn't disclose." And Lois says that she tells Allie, "She's like, you should be in prison for what you did." And Alice Allie says that her one sided ex was a certainly tried to do that and failed. And Lois says, "Well, at least it shut her down." And Allie's like, "For now." And she's she said she should listen to her podcast tomorrow after she hears what Lucy has to say. Maybe she'll be the one who's canceled. It's like I don't know, people who say actually say canceled, I don't know what But Lois is determined to show Lucy and everyone else what what a fraud she is. So Allie gets up and then there's like a bunch of other like people in the diner who are with her and she's like, I don't respond well to threats. And Lois is like, Well, neither do I. So then Allie and her her, her people leave and Lois calls Chrissy and she's like He's like you're right. It's like we have to find my sister. So, um, Bizarro. So it wasn't Doomsday. It's Bizarro Superman. Whatever. He's using heat heat breath. Like on a snowy ground. He's a uh, he pulls up this like square pendant. So I don't know if he's I forget where he's at. Is he at the fortress still? Maybe he found it. And then that um, flashes like Superman and his family. So um, the flash is happening in both of them. You know, Superman feels it. Lois is in another room. Super Aunt Clark comes in, and Jordan's like, "Yeah, she's been listening to podcasts all day." And Clark's like, "You're not using your superheroing to listen in on her?" Then, then he's like, "Okay, well, since he did, what did the podcast say?" So Jonathan, you know, he was there, you know, whatever. He's like, Aunt Lucy was on it, and so Clark goes in the other room. We can hear Lucy, you know, saying she. Got a copy of the article and was horrified what her famous sister had done. Lois says that, you know, Lucy recanted a lot of her story. She says uh, she selectively used what she said so she could use it against, um, you know, Lois or whatever. And uh, Lois is like, you know, she's gone. She's so far gone. And Clark's like, you know, we'll, so find a way to bring her back. And you know, she's like, well, I'm going to try. So Lucy is against, you know, basically saying that Lois is is wrong and lying or whatever so then we see nat and john during the barn they're looking at the suit and uh you know Nat's like it, it's gonna take longer than i thought the, you know and she's like it looks like the the or that the hammer looks okay but you know they're still gonna have to do a lot of work to fix the suit it's time for school you know lois is going to take them um at the diner we see lana and her family finishing up Then Emily, the one lady whose daughter was involved with, I forget what it was, she um, comes up to Lana and she's talking about her live stream that she's like, oh, that sure was a hit. Then she whispers, she's like, you know, there's some people in here asking me questions, you you know, secrets in the closet type, you know, type thing. And so they think it's the mayor dude that he's like looking in, like trying to dig up some dirt. And Emily's like, you know, they're asking about Sarah too. So. Uh, Clark and John Henry, they're having coffee. They're sitting at the farm. There's like on, on the on the, the deck or patio or porch. That's what I <laughs> they're on the porch and uh you know just enjoying the silence, stuff like that, and Clark's saying, you know, he, he never thought he you know he would like that, or and John Henry's like the use of the city and stuff like that. And then um Clark I think he drops his coffee, it's like so so much spilt coffee. He gets another sharp flash and he's like, He's coming. So Bizarro arrives and then Clark and Bizarro just kind of stare at each other And I really love the way he portrays Bizarro. You know, he's just like, just, he's just kind of like, he's almost like a bull, just like, and he's like, does this like little, every once in a while, his like head or neck like twitches and stuff like that. So it's just, it's such a, such a good job. I just, I totally dig it. And then they charge at each other, like just smack each other, you know, they're fighting. But then uh, Bizarro's pendant, um, it's like sucking out superman's energy there's something going on between them so john john henry calls for his hammer and his ai is like you're not wearing your gauntlet he's like no so it flies out of the barn into his smacks into his hand which has got to hurt and then he flings it throws it at them they go flying apart and then he's he's standing with the hammer bizarro looks at him and it just like takes off and then uh, then he's like shaking his hand because his hands like you know hurts from the pain whatever and he asks clark if he's okay Lois arrives at the paper. Chrissy's, I guess, been there all night. And she says she's been hanging out in the, on, on the dark web using an alias. Um, she's called herself Penelope Collins. She's been asking about the inverse. You know, She got a lot of sketchy messages, but she did manage to get an invite to meet with Allie Alston. So she's holding this conference. It's like invite only. That's, that's like a couple hours from there kyle is ticked off he wants to pummel the mayor dude next time he sees him but lana's like oh just forget about mayor dean for a second she's like what are we gonna do about sarah and he's like you know she never deserved this and lana's like um you know she she does deserve to know that you know dean is out there asking about her um you know she's like she should say but clark's like He's like, well, we should do some, you know, digging of our own on, on Dean's kids, because I think he was on in drug involved with drugs or, or something like that. They're, they're kind of insinuating, but then Lana's like, it's like, no, she's like, family members where I draw the line. And Kyle's like, well, you know, what if this sets her back? And Lana's like, well, you know, Sarah's stronger than she looks. So Jordan and Sarah are walking out of hall at school, and they're talking, smooch, they you know, kiss each other, they're happy and you know, it's like that. Um, Then Jonathan, you know, Candace comes up to him and asks him if he's tried any of the Yellow Mist yet. And he's like, shh, you know, he's like, oh, it's kind of early, whatever. And then he's like, what exactly does it do? And she's like, well, it's different for everyone. You know, you you can have a chance to be like Superman. She's like, for her, it makes her stronger. Um, A friend of hers could hear her mom a couple miles away. And she's like, and by the way, she's like, Tommy got like five inhalers for Saturday's game. So she's basically saying, you you better use it. Um, Clark apologizes to john henry for pulling him into this the ai says that they can track the bizarro thing now because um, the the thing around his neck had this like unique energy signature which they now have so clark's like well how do we track him? and john henry's like we don't he's like the the dod is the only one with the satellites that could track him he also says like and my suit's busted and the, the hammer's cracked he's like so when you find them um, you know, Clark says that he's like well I could take it from there and John's like no you can't he's like not alone he's like is he, it's too powerful he's like you need help and you know Anderson and that team of his but Clark just doesn't want to involve them because he's like they're not ready Jordan and Sarah they go to a, a friend's dad's general store uh, and you know Sarah asks she's like oh is this why you quit you know cheer cheerleading or whatever she, to you know, work at the store and she's like yeah and she's like plus the other girl's gotten weird since Candace became captain so I don't know if it's because of the drugs or whatever or that, that yellow K, whatever they're calling it. And then, um, and then she's like, oh, no offense. Uh, to, you know, she says that to Jordan because Candace is dating Jonathan. And he's like, oh, no, it's okay. He's like, Jonathan's never had good taste in girls. <laughs> Sarah just like kind of hits him in the arm. Then um, Jordan hears uh, a couple kids talking. And so they plan on stealing some booze from the store. So he, he uses his freeze breath on the floor to make it slippery. As they go to leave, they slip and the, the booze goes like flying out of the jacket. And then they run out of store and, and like lot or Sarah's like mad and the girl's like, No, 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 it's okay. She's like, my dad has a place under surveillance. And then Jordan sees a camera in a corner and realizes he messed up. So he just used freeze breath on the camera. Um, then Jordan, he must have texted Lane, because then he calls him while he's golfing. And then he's like, why in the hell were you using your cold breath in a quickie mart? So I guess he must have told him what, what happened or whatever. He says he did it. Uh, he's like, you did a noble, but, but something that was dumb as hell or whatever. So then the police are there. And George's like freaking out. He's like, he's like, you have to do something with the video. And then Lane's like, you mean the video I just sent you? He's like, I scrambled the original. So he was able to hack into it. And some, I, from the golf course, he was able to do it, I guess. Chrissy has a blonde wig to go undercover. Allie's um, talking to the, this group, and she's like, You know, you're all here because, you know, something is missing in your life. And, you know, they drove there. Lois is like sitting in a parking lot in the car. And um, so Allie's like, You know, you don't know what's missing. You know, if, if you don't know what's missing, you're never going to find it. And she's like, I can help you. I can show you what that missing piece is. At the DOD, Sibiran zips into Anderson's office, and he's not happy that he went to lane because he found out that he talked to him he's like he should have asked for help against that thing that attacked you at the mind he's like what you didn't think i would find out superman says that he wasn't trying to keep anything from him that's why he's here and he gives him a thumb drive that has like the bizarro energy signature he says it's a way to track it he's like where'd you get it and Superman's just like a friend he's like oh the guy in the suit superman says that they need the satellites and Anderson's he's like, well, I'll see what we, what we can do. Superman says that, you know, if they find it, you know, let him know. And Anderson's like, I saw what it, what it did to you. He's like, you're in no condition to face it. And Superman's like your team isn't ready to deal with it either at football practice. Jonathan's watching. Then uh, he's just up frustrated and, and everything like that. So he, he takes a hit from the inhaler which seems pretty dumb. He's never used it. He doesn't know what it's going to do. And like I said, being half Kryptonian, he doesn't know it could have some other effect on him. So he's going to take this. What if it makes him like fly or something like that? And all of a sudden he starts floating and everyone sees him. You know, it's just it seems stupid to, to try it publicly for the first time. But then I guess what he gets like supervision, because <laughs> he can just like really zoom in on things. I was like, okay, he talks to the coach, um, and he's, like, very, like, assertive, you know. So he's like, yeah, that's what I like. You know, he's taking initiative or whatever. So they're going to do, like, alternate passing drills. And it just seems so silly. So it's like when Jonathan has the football, he, like, zooms in and sees someone who's open, and then he throws the ball to them. But it's like you're on a football field. You're not that far. So you can see when someone's open. And I don't think he's necessarily throwing it harder or faster than normal. It just... It doesn't seem like it's it's uh, that, that that much of a an advantage, but I guess it is because he's like landing and he's like throwing him like perfectly like right perfect spot you know at the at the running back or whatever. So Lois is sitting still, sitting in the car. Then Lucy comes up. She's like, "What are you doing here?" And Lois is like, "We need to talk." And Lucy's like, "No." And Lois is like, "She's she's like she's just wants to talk or whatever." She's like, I, "If you never want to talk to me after this again." She's like, just give me five minutes. And then Lucy's like, fine. She's like, and she gives her her hotel room number. So then uh, she's like, why are you recanting after all this time? And she says that, you know, Allie's been doing too much to allow Lois to interfere again. And she's like, you have no idea what it's been like for me, you know, for for the past few years. And Lois is like, I reached out to you so many times. Like you wouldn't talk to me. And Lucy's like, that's because your article ruined my life. And Lois like, that wasn't my intention. And, you know, she was just trying to get her little sister back. She's, and she's like, I'm never coming back. In the, the conference room thing, whatever, you know, Allie continues. She's like, perhaps the biggest hole is left from betrayal. Lois texts Chrissy. She's like, okay, you know, you need to get out of there. She's like, Allie um, already knows that she's there because she's like, isn't that true, Miss Beppo or something like that? So everyone's like staring at her. Then Allie's like, she's like, oh, please don't be nervous. She's like, I'm glad you're here, you know, even if it's under false pretenses. Lucy says that Lois drove mom away. And Lois like, she's like, I was eight. She's like, you can't put the blame on me for that. And Lucy's like, after she left, it was like she never existed to you. And and Lois is like, because she abandoned us. And Lucy's like, well, she was still our mom. And Lucy's like, not to me, not after that. And Lucy's like, you can't, you hide the truth with, you know, to fit your own special narrative or whatever. Allie tells Chrissy that you know she wants her to see the truth Chrissy's like being all sassy with her or anything like that then Allie signals this dude to turn on a monitor and there's like a live feed to, to Lucy's room so Lucy's like your article against Allie wasn't complete you intentionally left out a key part and Lois is like what are you talking about and Lucy says that she saw her other self And Lucy's like, you were overdosing. Lucy's like, I was connecting, just like what Allie said. She's like, everything she promised happened, and you know, this is what I guess Lois hid or something like that. And she's like, I told you this. She's like, why didn't you print what I saw? And Lois yells that she was trying to protect her. She's like, you sounded insane. It's like you were lost, and Allie almost convinced you to kill yourself. And she's like, no, she didn't. And Lois like, like says that. You know, She was a monster. You know, Allie was like, doing all this horrible stuff. So Allie signals to cut the feed, and she turns to Chrissy, and she's like, I know that wasn't easy to hear. Maybe it's time to reconsider what you know you believe. It's like, okay, I don't get what was wrong with that. So Lucy said that she saw her other self. You know, She overdosed. She was dying, but she thought she was connecting with her spiritual self like that, and Lois didn't mention that. Because she didn't want her sister to sound like she was delusional and insane, I mean, I guess maybe she sh- should have said something that i don't I don't know i i I don't see how that's like a huge deal that you know you're trying to report the facts. I, mean, I guess it is a piece of information you know Lucy thought she saw something or experienced something, but you know so Chrissy's just like standing there Lois's or Lucy's phone beeps, and she tells Lois, that's all I need, and Loiss like, "What are you doing?" And Lucy's like, it's amazing what we can put spy cameras in nowadays. So There's there's like this little clock on the counter. And so she like picks it up. And she said that she wanted to have it on record so she'll stay away from them. She's like, stay out of my life, Lois. So Lois meets Chrissy in a parking lot. And Chrissy's like, is there anything else I should know about? and she's like she says that she broadcasted the whole room and she said you know there's a lot more to article than you know she let her believe and she's like you really don't trust me do you i'm like this is so so silly it's like it was lois's sister and uh, uh, i don't know that, this, this is one thing i don't like about this show it's just so ridiculous lana and kyle are waiting to talk to sarah and then uh she's like you know, Sarah's like, "What do I do now?" And they tell her that they're like, "Oh, nothing." Rick. But they tell her the mayor is doing some dig digging. You know, he's sleazy. He might try to take some things and weaponize them if he thinks he can. And she's like, "Like my suicide attempt." And Lana's like, "The last thing we want to do was to drag you into this." And Sarah's like, "It's okay." She's like, "It was a dark time." She's like, "I didn't know how to ask anyone for help." She's like, "I'm not ashamed of it." She's like, "I made a mistake." So you know, that could be a good thing. And she's like, "You know, let him try to attack me or whatever." And she, I forget what she calls him or something like that it's almost like they've, you know, they, they could use this as a platform. It's like, you know, we need, you know, suicide prevention and this, you know, not that they should use that, you know, that, whatever. Clark talks to Lois. Um, you know, she says she messed up. She tried so hard to protect Lucy. And now, you know, she does this. So no one's ever going to believe her if Allie goes public with that recording. And she says that it was stupid thinking that she could save Lucy. But Clark's like, he's like, my mom said, it's never stupid to try to save someone. Lois asks, he's like, well, what if they don't want help? Then what do you do? At the DOD, they tell Anderson like they have a hit in Bolivia. And Anderson's like, he asks if his team's ready. uh, Tag, the the kid who can run fast, whatever. He's like, should we wait to tell Superman? And Anderson's like, he's in no shape to fight this thing. He's like, bring it here. And then the three of them leave. So Bizarro's like floating above the ground. He's like twitching, whatever. The three kids arrive. They're dorks. At first, they think it's Superman. But then they realize it's not. Because as Clark is with Lois and he starts getting flashes and he can hear, like the girl says, we're the Superman of America. We need you to come with us or something like that. Then we see like someone gets punched in the face. Uh, Bizarro grabs two dudes by the throats. Um, Superman zips off and John comes out of the barn because he he realizes something. He heard him leave, I guess. I don't know. So Tag is breathing heavy. Superman arrives and like smashes into uh, Bizarro. The pendant falls off. Tag picks it up and zips off superman bizarro fight john henry he's in his suit he's flying there he's complaining about how slow it is but the ai is like you know suits at 10 percent functionality and his hammer levels are, are low too so he sees the bizarro on top of superman just like punching and wherever like that he's like transfer all energy to the hammer and the ai is like that'll leave you exposed he's like do it so superman uh you know it's punching you kick superman whatever hammer comes flying and it like shatters on impact or whatever. Bizarro goes flying back. John lands. The AI is like, your power is depleted. So he he's tries getting Clark, you know, Superman up. But then the AI is like, watch out. It's a little too late. Bizarro comes, punches him. He goes flying. Superman gets up. His eyes are glowing. He, he like zaps him. He's like flying. He's like zapping him. Punch, 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 punch. Fly, fly, punch. punch and all this like that. Then um, he's looking for John. He flies to him. Uses x-ray vision. And he lifts him out of there. Jordan and Nat come home, you know, they're both smiling, you know, had a good day or something like that, you know, because Jonathan, she was, like, sitting at, on the bleachers, whatever, and you know, everything, and he had a good day at practice, I guess. So Lois is, like, sad. Nat's, like, what's wrong? And she's, and Lois is, like, your dad. So they go to, like, the DOD hospital. John Henry's in a coma. Superman's standing there. He's, like, I'm sorry. And she cuts him off. She's, like, no. She's, like, you're Superman. You're supposed to keep him safe. And she's, like, how did this happen? And she's, like, just go. Just leave us alone. And Superman, like, backs away. So Lana and Kyle are in town. They see the mayor and Kyle's like angry. Lana tries calming things down. She's like, can we just agree to stay away from each other's children? Um, Dean, Mayor Dean, whatever. He's like, I I don't know what what you heard, but I have no intentions going after Sarah. And then he's like, says to Kyle, he's like, for a man who likes his tequila, neat. Word around town is that you sure do get messy with it. And he's like, have a nice night, you two. So now he's basically saying he's going to go after Kyle. Lana tells him not to let Dean get into his head. He's like, you're sober now. That's all that matters. So I guess Kyle had a drink. I think we knew he had a drinking problem, maybe. I don't know. Lois and Clark arrive at home. Uh, Sam's there. Sam says, uh, keep in mind that John Henry's being looked after by the best. Jordan asks, he's like, well, what about Natalie? And Lois is like, she's staying overnight in the hospital. She's like, I'm going to pack a, a bag for her and bring it over to her later. So, um, and then they're all supposed to go over in the morning to, you know, check in on them. And Sam says that he's going to head home. But then Jordan goes out after him. And he's like, do you have a second? He's like, with everything that's been happening, he's like, I want to be able to help my dad. And she's like, I want you to train me. So Sam's he pauses and he's like, okay, with this days between us. And he's like, get some rest. You're going to need it. Which that seems like a bad idea because... I don't think Superman or you know Clark or Lois are gonna to be too happy about that, especially if he doesn't tell them. Kyle goes to this bar. They're like, "Cush, you're back!" And the waitress pours him a, a shot, whatever. And she's like, "Oh, the boys have missed you around here." And you know, she's or she's she missed him too. right? She puts her hand on his, but she's like, "Not as much as I have." He's like, "That's actually what I came to talk to you about." So, I'm wondering. If he drank a lot, you know, he was a regular in this bar. Did he hook up with this bartender, even though he was married? So is he going to try to say, hey, can you keep a secret? Or is he going to have to try to pay her off? And Because a mayor will easily, you know, pay her off to, to talk. Um, Lois calls Chrissy, leaves a message, and, you know, she's like, sorry about today. She's like, can you call me when you get a chance? And then she thinks back to the argument. You know, Lois said Allie is dead dangerous and she's going to go and expose her for the fraud she is lucy's like let me get this straight you love me as long as i do exactly what you say lois is like no she's like but i'll do anything to keep you safe even if it means you hate me for the rest of your life and she's like whatever i have to do to stop her i will lucy's like fine do it not even you can can stop the truth from coming out and she's like watch me back in the present chrissy sees that you know she has a missed call and voicemail from lois so she calls she picks up the phone and then Allie answers. she calls Allie. She's like, Christine, I was hoping you'd call. And then she's like, Can you meet me? I wanna know the truth about Lois. So I I don't think that Chrissy is like anti-Lois now. She probably just wants to find out, like, you know, kind of use this and pretend that she's not, and try to find out like what exactly does Allie have, you know, get all information and then, you know, use that to help Lois fight against her. The downside is uh, it looks like we're going to have a, a couple weeks of no no episodes. So it's not on this week. It's not on next week. So it comes back on the 22nd. So it's like, uh, okay, so we have four episodes and then two weeks off. I guess if that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be. But um, it's kind of okay for the the week of the 22nd because I think that's a lot of people have that week off, so they might be on vacation. Maybe we won't see it, but whatever. So two weeks of, of No Superman Lois. So, uh, you know, we'll see what I talk about next week. But um, I enjoyed the, the episode. The, the whole Alley, Lois, Lucy, whatever, that's fine. But it just seems like a, a little silly. But the bizarro stuff, I'm, I'm totally digging that. All right, then, Snowpiercer, Season 3, Episode 2, The Last to Go. So I'm just going to jump through this or get through it. Ruth narrates the the, the intro She sees some dudes come up in the frozen part of the train, and they're like attaching cables to some machines, like some engine. What? Like what is this? Then she sends a message to the other that Wilford's up to something. Uh, And then uh, Wilford, meanwhile, is taking a hot bath. You know, he's of course taking advantage of it. You know, you know, everyone's freezing on the train. Leighton wakes up. He was dreaming about that wasteland place again with the giant tree. Josie is tending to the woman that he brought on the train, and she says that she's malnourished and stuff like that. Probably has radiation poisoning too, or whatever. Uh, she bring, He brings up the kiss that she gave him before they went out. He's like, you know, because he, he's got a baby underway. He's with Zara, but, you know, she plays it off like it was nothing. But obviously she still cares about him. Ben is looking at the results from the ice core sample. The place is warming, but the trend isn't steep enough to be habitable yet, whatever. So they have one more uh, place to check. It's like the so- southern Arabian pr- Peninsula or something like that. Leighton says that it's time to get their train back and get everyone to the hot spot. Um, they say, you know, maybe it's... it's they're like, well, it might not be a good idea to go back empty-handed because, you know, they have no leg to stand on. Why, why are they going to choose Layton over Wilford if there's no, nothing to look forward to? So that lady wakes up, and she kind of freaks out, you know, because she doesn't know where she's at, what's going on. Leighton tells her that she's safe, and, you know, she doesn't need her suit because, you know, she's looking for a helmet and everything like that. So he introduces himself, asks if she speaks English. He gives her some water. So she's like, yeah, her name's Asha. And she asks if she's dreaming. You know, she's like, the train survived, so she knows about the train. He shows her around and she asks, she's like, where's Mr. Wilford, the great engineer? And he's like, they don't know. You know, he's like, there's two trains now. And he shows her a view of the train from up top. You know, she can see it going. Wilford is ordering a countdown for whatever they're testing or something like that. And I think they say something about an EMP. It's like, that can't be good. Um, Ruth tells Pike that she thinks it's a weapon since it's in the very last car. They do this little test with the device. and It's like this electrical wave goes off or something like that. And Wilford chuckles. Um, his doctor lady cheers and like that. But it's like, wait, nothing really happened. But I guess it was just a little test. So maybe it works. I don't know. LJ is loading bottles. And then she sees like his trail of lanterns. Osweiler has like all the stuff set up. He gets on a knee and he asks her to marry him. And he has like this huge diamond ring, and, and you know he's like, All it cost me was a pair of socks. And so she says yes. And she's like, She wants to tell Wilford, she's like, Out of respect. And he's like, Okay. Wilford's excited, and he says it could be good to show unity on a train, and he wants to do it tomorrow. And is like, Tomorrow? So Ben tells Alex that she did good yesterday with the train, and he's like, Your mom would be proud. She has this thing that she did so great, and he's like, We found a survivor. and. Alex because she's like, You but my mom is gone. But it's like, is she? I don't know if she is. Leighton's looking in the library and uh, you know, uh Audrey's still in her little cell thing there. Of course he finds this book with this big tree and Audrey, she's like, What what are you looking at? She's like, Who was that you brought on? And you know, what are you looking for? But he just ignores her. Josie takes Asha to her new quarters and she gets weird with it. There's this planter. There. She looks at it and she kind of like digs up a rooter, and she's like, "It's like, what's your problem with the plant? Why are you killing this?" Till finds Leighton reading a bunch of books, you know, something like a dragon's blood tree or something like that. He says that he saw it when he almost froze to death. That he he could feel the sun. Like he's like, "This is the place we're looking for." He's like, "The trees only grow in the, the warm spot where they're going" or something like that. So he's having some psychic vision now, I guess. Osweiler asked lj why did she agree with wilford's plans and everything and she says that you know he's investing in them and she's like we could run the train someday she's like old people die all the time and he's like he's just you know using us he's like it's our wedding day he's like won't you ever stop conniving and you know so they have this big argument sarah tries talking to javi he's he's like doesn't really talk to anyone he's just like in a daze you know um she says that wilford wants him down 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 train someplace or whatever like that. So she's like, you know, put on autopilot and I'll just, you know, sit here and watch. LJ's having a temper, temper tantrum as this lady's trying to fix her hair or whatever. Wilfred comes in and she t- basically tells him what Osweiler said about her always conniving. And, you know, he tells her the ceremony is about loyalty. He wants her to perform for him. And then he goes to talk to Osweiler. He mentions LJ being upset. Osweiler's like, oh, it's just pre-wedding jitters. Like, we'll work it out. And then um, Wilfred said he looked at Roche's file on him you know, he's like he's very opportunistic. He praises him for his piano playing skills. He and he's like, you know, the two of you are, are like my team. And then he grabs Oswalier by the crotch. <laughs> he takes him. You know, he t- talks about the shakedowns that he used to do before. And he's like, grab my crotch or grab me too or whatever like that. And he's like, squeeze harder. <laughs> it's like, dude, what is going on here? And then he's he's like, what are your hands for? He's like, squeezing balls. He, and it's like, so do it. So basically, he's like telling him, you know, use the power, you know, whatever. And then they're both like out of breath. And everything. It's just like it's so weird. Knock. It's like grab me too. <laughs> like no. Mm-hmm. Javi goes to the cold area. Ruth comes out, and he's surprised that she was on the other train. And he's like, "You shouldn't be here." And she's like, "Well, what about the device?" And he's like, "He'll." He he just says it'll stop late and dead. And she's like, "How does it work?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "I'm going back to the dog." So it's just like like dude, you're like so weird about it or whatever. You know, he's. I don't know. Um, he's traumatized. Wilford. He walks LG down the aisle, and he's basically offici- officiating over to intercom. He mentions loyalty her contract with him to survive, and it's like he's turning it all about him, which is just so ridiculous. Uh, some people are checking out the device. Whatever. This lady says it sounds like it's an electromagnetic pulse weapon. You know, it will kill all electronics on a snow piercer. Kevin. Um, sees Hobby walking and he's like, Where are you going? He's like, to the dog. And he's like, Where were we at? He's like, data collecting. And he shows him a bag with like something. So Kevin kind of doesn't believe him. He takes some guards with him and they, they go to the back. Wedding's still going on, whatever. And then uh the people in the back there's like Kevin and others are, are coming, so they have to leave. Ruth is like, no, you have to stay and disable this device. She's like, I'll run interference. So like we have to give Leighton a chance. So she's sitting at a table when Kevin some soldier comes in, and she's like, she's like, I'm surrendering. She's like, I'm cold and I'm starving. Kevin's like, please. And so they put her in the cell. Asha tells her story. There's like 34 of them. They're career scientists, foreign nuclear technicians like her. The family's brought in or something like that. But then like marauders came and killed most of them at the wedding having a dance. There's this big dance between Asha. It's like, oh my God, it's like cheesy. It's like, who cares? Kevin walks in and like nods the wolf or, you know, whatever. The people are working on the, the EMP device. They're trying to sabotage it. ends up starting it, and they can't stop it. They like triggered it somehow. Wilford talks to Ruth. He brings up loyalty again. She says she is loyal to something bigger than him. So the, at the, the back of the train, they have to get the, the EMP device off the train. Wilford said he's preparing um, a cuff for her right now, and he'll make sure it's nice and high where prosthetics are impossible. She's like, I wouldn't wear one anyways. So cuffs basically makes where put it on there, stick, stick the arm out of the train so it freezes and they shatter it with a hammer so the emp goes flying out the back they run whatever wilford says that he built a port the the ports for the train but he never expected to use them and he's like you did 13 times and she's like and i'll pay my penance and she's like you can have my arm the emp blast is still going off and it kind of hits the train but it also hits no no piercer it's not deadly or anything like that and, but Ben's like, or, or they figured that they can triangulate where they are. Alex, um, maybe Alex figured that out. So she gives them a reading. They're 525 kilometers to the west. So that means Wilford can't see them. And he hates surprises. So Layton's like, let's go give him one. Ruth is taken to the back of the train. Wilford talks to all the tailies, says that he built something for them, something that, you know, could have saved countless lives. And, and then he's talking about Layton and whatever like that. They put the cuff on Ruth they, they get her arm wet and stuff like that. Pike's like watching. He's like, he wants to do something, but it's like, what can he do? Because, you know, they're outnumbered and everything like that. Um, the dog's growling, and uh, Snowpiercer goes like right next to him. Like there's a sidetrack, like side by side. Everyone hears them. Wilford looks like he's a, a little worried or something like that, but then he starts laughing. He's like, Battle stations! So I guess he's happy that they're there because now he knows where. You know he wants to he wants to take the get the train back, and so he figures that this will be enough. So that was a Snowpiercer. So I'm trying to do it a little faster that way. If you're interested, you can hear. If you're not, it won't take up like a huge portion of the show. So I am interested. I just hope that Melanie is still alive somehow. Because like I said, we didn't see a body. They never showed her frozen anywhere. I'm assuming she survived somehow, but it's we just yeah. So we'll see. All right, Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett, chapter, episode six, season one, episode six, chapter six. From the desert comes a stranger. Oh my goodness! This this episode was was crazy. But again, there was hardly any Boba Fett. So my theory, what I mentioned last week, uh, see oh, see that window over there? <laughs> my theory is like outside there, like on the ground. They they totally they didn't do what I thought they were gonna do, which which is good, but it's bad for the show. And what bothers me, and I I think because because I love Boba Fett so much, I all these people are complaining or just saying like, oh Boba Fett, you know he's he stinks and Mandalorian's better, and this they're two completely different characters, and I they have to be. I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this last week or I said this, but. I feel like if, if they were the same exact characters, that would be silly. It would be just like the same character but different colored armor. So, no, they're doing it. It's bad enough. I, I thought it was weird when the Mandalorian was a, bo- a bounty hunter. It's like, oh, they both happen to be bounty, fun- bounty hunters? Is like, is that like a normal thing for Mandalorians? It's like, what what the heck? Not that Boba Fett's a Mandalorian. But they're, they're just tr- they're trying to do things differently. And I really think that after what Boba Fett went through, I don't think people... Maybe the show just hasn't done a good job explaining it. Crawling through the Sarlacc, that would suck. You know, how long did that take? You know, maybe it, it took him a few months or maybe it took him like a No, it wouldn't have taken him a year. Cause I, but maybe it took a while to, to crawl through. And, and then, you know, how long was he with the Tuskens? It doesn't seem like he was with them that long, but he must have been. He probably was. So he's changed. You know, he doesn't just want to go out. And hunt bounties anymore, and just you know do that. He's he wants something a, a little more more permanent, a little you know whatever. You know the Tuscan's, you know family life changed him. I don't know, but it's it's just there's a slow burn to the show, and it should be like that. But then you throw in the Mandalorian, things are flashy, and and people you know get excited about that as they should. But they're they're two different things. Anyways, let's just get going. So it starts off. You know, the, the pikes are, we see some pikes are getting something. And then Cobb Vanth, he comes back uh, from Mandalorian. He comes up to him and he makes it clear that he's a marshal of these territories, you know, Mos Pelgo. And so there, there's four of the pikes. And he says that, he's like, I didn't see what's in the chest you have. He's like, there's no laws that have been broken. He's like, just take it and leave. So then one of the pikes goes to shoot him. And he ends up shooting, shoots three, three to four. And he tells uh, the remaining guy, he's like, you know, take a message back to your boss. He's like, anyone who gets lost running spice through Moss Pelgo again will be lost forever. And he he says that he'll take the chest for a a fine for trespassing. The Pike's like, it's worth more than this whole town. And he's like, he's like, then maybe I'll retire. That so the Pike leaves. He opens the chest with his foot, and I guess that's spice. There's a bunch of powder and stuff in there. He just like nudges it over, and the wind carries it off like all the spice away. He doesn't want the spice, he doesn't care about that. So it's gone to the winds. Then we see the Mandalorian and his new starfighter. He's, he's flying. And uh, R2, we see R2 D2. He picks him up with his sensors and he meets him. Mando's like, Hello, friend. He's like, I'm looking for Skywalker. And it's like, I'm looking for the kid, Grogu, or whatever. And R2 takes him through the forest. You see these, like, kind of, like, sort of, like, spider-like work droids. You know, they're, they're making something, probably making a temple, we, we, we assume. Mando asks if this is where they are. But R2, he just, he stands up straight and just shuts himself off. He's like, hey. He tries walking to work or droids. They, they don't say anything, you know, whatever. Or not that he could understand them anyways. And um, then it's like they're making a bench for him. <laughs> and he's like, how long am I waiting? And he's like, is anyone here? Anyone alive? He just sits down and, like, some, some time passes. Then we actually see Luke and Grogu. So I didn't think we would see them uh, in in this show or this season. They're meditating. Grogu gets distracted by a frog jumping, like in because they're like by a pond, and he tries focusing and meditating. And then this little stinker, Grogu, uses the Force to catch the frog mid leap because he wants to eat it. Obviously, Luke like opens his eyes at the last minute. He's like, "Grogu," so it's like typical Luke, whatever. So Grogu lets go of it. Then Luke uses the force. He lets like several frogs out of the pond, and then he lets them all go. So he's like, "Let's go for a walk." Luke, he's like, "I want to tell you uh, about someone you remind me of." He's like Yoda. He was small, but his heart was huge. He's like, "Size matters not." He's like, "That's how he talked. He would speak in riddles. Have you heard anyone talk like that back home?" He's like, "Do you remember back home?" And Grogu was just silent. He's like, "Would you like to remember?" He's like, let me help you remember. He puts his hand on Grogu's head. Then we see um, like three Jedi are fighting like clone troopers. It's like Order 66. They eventually get chopped down by all of the blaster fire. And then Luke s- says, he's like, welcome back. He's like, the galaxy is a dangerous place. He's like, I will teach you to protect yourself. So we don't know if, I, I don't know if if Luke saw what Grogu saw or if he just like nudged Grogu's memories or whatever. I saw, I think it was on Reddit, there's a theory about who may have taken Grogu. So, spoilers, and, you know, if you watch The, the Clone Wars, but here we go. Barris Offie, because uh, I, I guess um, in the flashback, I didn't notice in the beginning, There you can see, like, a like a, a family, like, some some symbol, like, on the wall, which I guess is, like, similar to, to her families or something like that. So she was a... Uh, she was a Padawan to Luminara Unduli. So the the whole arc where Ahsoka decides to like leave the the Jedi temple and all that stuff. You know, she was involved in that story arc. So maybe she took Grogu to the Empire or something, or we don't know. So that, that's that's a theory whether um, and there's some other stuff but we won't get into that. So then we see uh you know, looks like welcome back and all this stuff like that. Mando is meanwhile sleeping on a bench. Archie's still next to him. Then Mando hears something and he like just draws his pistol like while he's sleeping, whatever. So Ahsoka, I didn't think Ahsoka was gonna be here. Ahsoka standing there, and he's like, "I didn't expect to see you here. I didn't either." And then she says that she's an old friend of the family, which is is kind of kind of weird but cool. Uh, you know, it it yeah okay. I mean, I'll accept it. Uh, so much do I want to see like when did they first meet? how did that go? What did they they talk about? Did they talk about Anakin? And uh, so much I want to know. (laughs) So Mando says that he thought she wasn't going to help train Grogu. And she's like, I'm not. She's like, Master Luke is. He's like, then what are you doing here? She's like, that's my question for you. He's like, I'm here to see the kid. And she's like, that's why R2 brought you to me instead. He's like, what is this place? She's like, nothing now, but someday it'll be a great school. Grogu will be its first student. Mando says he'd like to know how he's doing, and she's like, he's doing fine. Mando says that he wants to see him, and Ahsoka sighs. She's like, I know you do. She's like, take a walk. Let's take a walk. Everyone's going for walks. She says that she warned him when they met that his attachment to Grogu would be difficult to let go of. She says that, or he's like, he was a Mandalorian foundling in his care, and he just wants to make sure he's safe. And Ahsoka's like, there's no place safer in a galaxy than with Luke. Mando's isn't sure why... She's alright with Skywalkers. This isn't to train a kid when she wouldn't. And she says because it was his choice. She's like, I don't control the wants of others. Mandalorian says that then it's his choice to go and see him. She's like, of course, if that's what you wish. So they see Luke and Grogu up on a hill. He starts up and she asks, she's like, are you doing this for Grogu? Or are you doing it for yourself? He's like, I just want to give him this. And he's got the pouch. And she's like, why? So Grogu will remember you? He says that as a Mandalorian Foundling, he should have it. It's his right. Ahsoka's like, ah, Foundling. It's like, perhaps he is a Padawan now. Mandalorian thinks about it. He's like, well, either way, this armor will protect him. And she's like, if he's set on it, then you know she'll allow him to deliver it. So Mandalorian says, He's like, I came all this way. He's right there. And she comes up to him. She's like, Grogu misses you a great deal. If he sees you, it would only make things more difficult for you. So he stares up the hill. And then he's just like, make sure he's protected. He hands her the pouch and he walks back to his ship. So they didn't get to see each other. <laughs> so the Starfighter takes off and Grogu sees it while he, because he's on Luke's back now, like Yoda style, you know, training. Uh, I don't know if he knew, if he recognized or sensed or something like that, but Luke's like, oh, it's, t- it's time to continue your training. Luke wants to see him jump. <laughs> so he says, no. He barely makes a move. He's just like, boop. Like that, and and Luke's like, really? That's all you got? And he explains about jumping and feeling the force, force flow through you. You know, right when you leave, you know, off the ground. So he's like, you're trying too hard. He's like, don't try, do. This sounds familiar. So then he goes back on his back. Luke's running through the forest, does jumps, flips, you know, all that stuff like that that we've seen before. They look over the landscape, and he talks about balance. He's like, through the forest, you'll find balance as well. Blah blah blah. That stuff, Jedi mumbo jumbo. Then we see uh, Grogu is balancing on a, on a branch over a pond. Luke tells him to concentrate, use the force. And you know, then he's like trying to balance on one foot. Then later he's balancing on a bamboo branch and Luke lights his lightsaber and he moves around with it, you know, like kind of like, choo, choo, shoot, you know, just doing all the moves. Grogu's watching him. Next, there's like a, one of those training remote orb things. Luke says it'll test his reflexes. So Grogu, he just kind of like rolls it like on the ground and looks like, no, that's not how it works. So he turns it on, it starts moving around, choo, 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 you know, flying around Grogu. Then it shoots at his feet and Grogu goes like flying back and he's like, get back up, always get back up. So it shoots again, but this time Grogu does like a big, like forward flip leap. And then, then we see more training over the pond, jumping from rock to rock while the, the orbs firing at him. Then Ahsoka walks up with the pouch. So Grogu makes a, the orb short out and it falls into water. So Ahsoka talks to Luke and she's like, oh, you taught him well. And Luke's like, it's more like he's he's remembering, you know, more than than I'm teaching him anything. Ahsoka's like, you know, sometimes the student guides the master. So Luke mentions the Mandalorian was there and she's like, she says she told him that the two had a strong bond and he brought Grogu a gift. So Luke takes it and he says like, sometimes he wonders if Grogu's heart's in it. And she looks at him, she's like, so much like your father. Which, again, what have they talked about Anakin? That's what I want to know. So Luke wonders what he should do about Grogu, and she tells him to trust his instincts, and she starts to leave. He's like, will I see you again? And she's like, perhaps. And then she's like, may the Force be with you. So she's off to to her own show to do who knows what. Mandalorian returns to Tatooine. He flies straight to Jabba's palace, or old palace, you know, goes through the, the gate. He's greeted by a Gamorrean guard, and then, you know, he's like, I'm here for Fennec Shand, whatever. So they, they go over uh, the plans or what's going on. You know, there's other people there. Uh, the Pike Syndicate's moving in. The mayor's off-planet. And the mayor, uh, the mayor's mayor, Jomo, Major Domo, <laughs> says that it was actually a planned vacation why he's not there. And then they um, note where the Pikes are gathering. The three crime families of Moss Espa are willing to lay low and let the Pikes move in on their territory. Fennec introduces the Mandalorian to all, but she, she, she gives his name, which, I mean, maybe he doesn't care, but I thought, I don't know, not that it was a secret. I don't, don't know how many people knew it was his name. And she says that thanks to you know, Mandalorian and, and Kersantan, they now have enough experienced muscle to act as enforcers. It's like, you only need two two people. That's, that's enough to take on a whole syndicate. <laughs> but they need foot soldiers. And Mandalorian says that he might be able to help with that. So Mandalorian flies... Uh, over Tatooine, flies by some Jawas. Then he arrives at, at Mos Pelgo, and a dude tells him, he's like, oh, if you want to park your starship, you have to put it over, you know, this one place where Mandalorian's like, I'm just looking for Marshall Banth. And the dude's like, I don't think you heard what I said. <laughs> he didn't talk like that, but Mando's like, I heard you. And then Vanth shows up, and he's like, Deputy, I'll take it from here. So he, he admires Mando. He's like, is that a Naboo starfighter or whatever? And Mandalorian, he's like, can I buy you a drink? And then, you know, he, obviously he's not going to drink but he's going to fill him in on what's going on. Vanth isn't sure. He's like, he, does, he doesn't know what this has to do with him. And Mandalorian says that he needs him to lead a garrison. His people are a good fighter. And there are plenty of credits in it for them. And Vanth is like, he's like, we have peace. He's like, we took out the dragon. He's like, they, they don't want to fight no more. And Mandalorian's like, the town might be okay with it. But it's all the same planet. They need good people to step up. Or the spice will come through these parts. Vanth's like... Why should they help Boba Fett? And Mandalorian says Mos Pelgo might be okay now. The bar- then a the bartender interrupts. He's like, "It's Free Town." And Vance like, "That's what it's called now." And Mandalorian's like, "He's like, I fought side by side with them. He's like, they're brave people, and the Pike Syndicate has us outnumbered. He's like, you know, we, we need your help." The bartender says, "That's city folk fight." And Mando says that that. He has Vance if that's what he wants to. And Vance is like, well, you know, things are square between us. And Mando's like, yeah, they are. But I didn't think you were one to back down from bullies. Vance says that that's what he likes about him. He's like, that big old smile lets him get away with anything. Mando says, he's like, there's no easy way to ask for a favor. Vance sighs. He's like, things are tough around here, but I'll see what I can do. So Mandalorian leaves. Vance tells the bartender to get the word out. Anyone in fighting condition, whatever, he's like, he wants to have a meeting. And the bartender is like, he's insists, he's like, it's not our problem. And Vanth's like, no, but it might be. He's like, after they hear what what I'm going to say. So it's like, what was he going to say that's different? Then someone approaches on foot. And this was like the holy crap moment of the week. You know, more than seeing Grogu again or whatever. So uh, this guy's like walking through, through the, the desert And then there's, like, some people out in town. He tells this lady, like, he's like, get everyone inside for a bit. And the deputy wants to help. Vanth tells him to get inside. And then I'm like, holy crap. As I say, I was like, is that Cad Bane? (laughs) So so he knows who Vanth is. Vanth's like, and who might you be? And he's like, whatever Fett is paying you will match. He's like, and all you got to do is stay put and let things play out. Um, And then the deputy says, he's like, or a deputy co- comes in. He deputy's supposed to be inside. He's like, "Hey, the marshal ain't for sale." And Vanth like looks at him and kind of gives him an exasperated look. He's like, "Dude, what the heck are you doing?" He's like, "I don't need you, you know, fight my battles, type of thing." Vanth, you know, uh, looks back at the stranger because th- that's in the the closed caption. They're referring to him as a, as a stranger because you don't see who he is now. He's he's got he's got like a cowboy hat and his head's ducked down, so we we don't actually see his face yet. But if you if you know, you know, you know who the heck this is. So then he he's like, he's like I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. And then this is when the stranger looks up and he says, he's like, I'd be careful where I was sticking my nose if I were you. And Vanth is like, is that friendly advice or a threat? So then the stranger looks at him and then slowly he's like, Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer who worked with the Empire. And Vanth tells him to tell his spice runners that Tatooine is closed for business. Then the stranger's like, you should have never given up your armor. And he kind of like flips open his, his coat a bit you know push it to the side to reveal his holster so there's a big stare down the deputy is kind of anxious he's kind of like you know he's like ready to do something whatever then he goes to move so the stranger shoots vanth and then he shoots a deputy pew 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 shoots a few times and then he's like "Tatooine belongs to the syndicate as long as the spice keeps running everyone will be left alone he holsters his gun and he just turns and walk away and people like run up to Van. Someone's like, he's still breathing. Get a med pack. So Cad Bane showed up. Live action Cad Bane. And it was the same voice. The same voice actor did his, did his voice. My question is, like, what if he would have showed up when Mandalorian was there? How would things have played out? And that's what I want to see. Or Boba Fett versus Cad Bane again. Although the way Boba Fett's been <laughs> fighting lately, I don't know. Uh, at Sanctuary, two pikes enter with one of those uh, ice cream container things. Um, it's a camtono, So, you know, if you know, you know, the the ice cream, the dude with the ice cream container on, I forgot his name, on the dude with the ice cream container on Cloud City when they were evacuating. So anyways, um, so it's it's a security container for storing valuables, whatever. So they, they enter, they, they sit, Madam Garza's concerned, but then they just get up and leave. And the serving droid's like, oh, you forget your Cam Tono. And then you see a shot from the outside. <laughs> It was a bomb. So I hope uh, Madam Garza is okay. I hope Max Rebo is okay. (laughs) Uh, So at the at the whatever planet, the temple building, this little it's not a huge thing, but it's complete. Luke and Grogu are sitting and they're meditating. Then Luke takes out the pouch and opens it, and it's the the cutest little like chain metal like mesh shirt for Grogu. I'm like, oh. When I saw that, I was like, oh my God, Grogu with a little metal shirt. <laughs> so then he uh, he he tells him, he says the Mandalorian wanted him to have it. So Luke's like, you know, he sets down and Grogu really reaches it. He's like, but before you take it, I will give you a choice. And then he takes out, he's like, this is a lightsaber. It belonged to my teacher, Master Yoda. And now I'm offering it to you. You may choose only one. If you choose the armor you'll return to your friend, the Mandalorian. However, you will be giving in to the attachment to those that you love and forsaking the way of the Jedi. But if you choose the lightsaber, you will be the first student in my academy, and I will train you to be a great Jedi. It will take you many years to master the way of the Force, and you may never see the Mandalorian again, because Grogu, a short time for you, is a lifetime for someone else. And then Grogu's just sitting there. He's thinking. He looks them both over. And Luke's like, which do you choose? And then fade to black. So we don't know what he chose. But Luke's kind of a jerk. It's like, dude. It's like, oh, you like the lightsaber? Here's a lightsaber. You can have it. But you can't go back to the Mandalorian. You can't have this cool metal shirt. And it's like, why can't a Jedi have? I mean, I guess the idea is like, oh, yeah, it's going to r- remind him of the Mandalorian. But, but still, it's going to protect them. It's like if you're fighting a lightsaber battle, you don't have to worry about your your chest or whatever getting hit by a lightsaber. Luke, but he's it's like he's tempting him. Padawan, he's not even a Padawan. Students aren't supposed to have lightsabers. That aren't they? Isn't it the whole thing is like that's their final, final act? Is they're supposed to build it on on their own? It's like Luke shouldn't have been given a, a lightsaber by by Obi Wan. Just like cutting corners here. I don't know. Maybe they, they train I Maybe I'm thinking like old cannon, old whatever. But I always thought that that was supposed to be like the last thing. It's like you don't just. Uh, it's like well, I mean I, you got to earn it. I mean when did a so did did Ahsoka make her own lightsaber? I don't know. No, I I don't know. But what a jerk, man! <laughs> Tempting Grogu. Grogu's too small. And he's like he questions if his heart's in it. Oh, but you can have this lightsaber, even though you're probably not ready for it. Even though you're about to eat a frog are, are like Jedi's vegans <laughs> you know isn't like all life precious I mean although Luke was Luke was drinking that purple cow milk whatever so he's not a vegan but circle of life I guess I mean I don't know <laughs> that was just so weird when Luke did that anyways <laughs> so that was this week's episode of, of Grogu and the Mandalorian the book of Grogu and the Mandalorian with a guest appearance by Boba Fett <laughs> Oh, one more episode I think. That's that's nuts. It's like what are the heck th- are they they going to do in this next episode. So, we'll have to see. But man, this is show, it's just not. I wasn't expecting to see Luke again. I thought man that last time, I thought that was like a special thing. And I didn't think we'd see Grogu in this this show. I didn't think we'd see Ahsoka again. I definitely didn't think we'd ever see live action Cad Bane. <sighs> okay let's talk a uh, servant season three episode three hair I just want to say before I get into it so servants Apple uh, TV plus show um I started watching suspicion so I, I watched the first episode two episodes dropped and it's a it's like a British show uh, this this lady who's who's she's I think she's gonna be like ambassador or something like that uh her kid gets kidnapped and they, they think it's kidnapped by, like, some British people. And there's this whole thing. And uh, the first episode is, is really good. It kind of, like, sets, you know, you see the kidnapping. You, they're wearing masks. And, you know, there's these other people involved. You see, get to introduce you to the other people. Are they involved? Were they the ones under the mask? And you see their lives and stuff like that. And uh, um, Elizabeth Henstridge, uh, Gemma Simmons from Agent Shield, she's in it. So that's it's awesome to see her in something. Um, I don't know if it's a podcast. I mean, maybe I'll talk more about it next week. I, I don't think I'll talk about it this week. I mean, I just kind of did. So two episodes are out and then the third one comes out next week. So we'll, we'll see about that, but that's good. And then um, there's I saw a trailer for the show called Severance, which starts on February 18th. That looks really good as well. Basically, you you volunteer to go through this, this procedure that severs your mind, your memory somehow, where it keeps your, your work life and your home life separate. So when you're on the severance floor at work, you don't recall anything about your family life. And when you leave and go back, home, you know, when you're done working for the day or whatever, you don't remember anything that happened at work. So that sounds uh, pretty pretty freaky. And it's already they're already uh, saying it has like a, a second season. So I I, pr- I probably will have to talk about that because it looks looks pretty cool. And there there's a, a few different people in there as well. But anyways, with a servant. So episode three or season three, episode three, here, someone's knocking on a door, like, relentlessly, and we see Julian, like, en- enter the back of the house, um, you know, from the back door, or whatever, and and it looks like, is that a huge, you know, chunk of meat sitting on the table crawling with maggots? Like, what the heck is going on? Then we see him, you know, looking down in- into Jericho's crib, you know, we see it fr- shot from above. A lot, a lot of cool um, camera angles in-, in this episode, as always. And, and then he, he, he just has this, like, look of anguish on his face, and then we, he's, like, throwing up. And then... Like is Dorothy dead? Because then he like kind of like cradles her in his arms and he's sobbing. And then uh, uh, he's like sitting in a car, like getting honked at because he's like waiting to park, I guess, outside the house. So him and Vera arrive, and Vera mentions how you know great it must be for you know you know having Leanne look over Jericho and everything like that. And then Julian again mentions even if it's her kid. And then she's like, well, you know, what if what if she decides to leave one day? Then he's like, well, I wonder if we could prove it was hers. And because, he, you know, he's says, you know, maybe we can, you know, start adoption procedures or something. So inside, Dorothy is dressed as Marilyn Monroe. Because I guess there's like this annual look alike contest or whatever she's covering for the station. Sean's getting ready to go to the park. And he thinks that um, he's talking to, to Julian. He thinks that Leanne's doing better. We'll make it this time. And then, you know, things will soon be back to normal. They could be a big, happy family. And Julian's like... You know, speaking of family, he's like, I think we should do a DNA test on Leanne and Jericho. And Sean's like, why the heck would we do that? And he's like, to know for sure. He's like, you know, then he mentions again, you know, maybe we could start like adoption proceedings or stuff like that. So there's a lot of people at the park. You know, Leanne's a little nervous and stuff like that, but then, you know, they have a blanket out and stuff like that, and she's like standing under these trees, the flowers are blossoming, and she's taking in the sun, but then uh, she hears like a, a quote-unquote beggar, according to the closed caption, ask for spare change. And she looked and, and she sees this, like, girl with, like, short, like, buzzed hair, like, some tattoos and just, like, you know, ratty clothes. And Leanne sees her and she's, like, you know, Sean gives her, like, a dollar or five. I don't know how much money he gives her, but it was a, a bill. And Leanne's, like, I want to go home. And then they take the blanket and, and leave. Julian, meanwhile, now he's at the park later, like this little gym section. Like like there's like work like sit-up benches or whatever you call those, you know, workout benches. And so he's talking with Roscoe. Roscoe's the, the dude that he hires to do like some you know, PI work for him or whatever. And he, he's like, you know, or Roscoe's like he he can't sleep at night. He gets in stupidest fights with his wife, so he's still feeling like after his encounter with the cult and everything like that. You you know he doesn't want anything to do with him. But Julian's like I need you to get Leanne and Jericho's DNA. He's like I even have the equipment, and he takes out the swab. He's like All I got to do is shove this up the baby's nose. And Roscoe's like no way. He's like just get one of those kits. And Julian's like you have to register it, and you have to use a credit card, and you know, take time. Roscoe he finally says he's like he's like fine. He's like I know someone that I could call. You know he works in a lab. And you know, he's like, "But I'm not doing it." He's like, "You're gonna have to do it." But then, meanwhile, then you see the beggar girl walk by, like outside the gate. Like, was she listening in on this? It's like, why? Why did it happen? Why she happened to be there, and they happen to show her. So then we see Sean later. He's making food for kids at the park, and so he goes there, and there's like this other girl, and he offers him. It's sort. He made some sort of like pizza thing, but it's like fancy food because he. And they're like looking at him. They're like skeptical or whatever like that, and and when it's like weird because there's this gate and then you know he opens it hands out you know they, they or he hands them like one a piece of food like uh through through the gate and they they try it then he goes over here he's like take take the rest or something like that and he opens the gate and then they like they take the food and they like shut the gate it's like yeesh then roscoe calls julian so he's like a window opened up he's like it has to be it has to be done fast he's like and you know get the stuff and and the cash and it's like starting to rain not that that matters Julian is um he then we, we see him sitting in a house he's is in in, a, in the dark he's crying he like he calls his dad he's like please help so it's like what what is it I don't know what these flashes are is this like supposed to be the future you know what we're seeing is like is he what is he does he having dreams about this so we see Leanne with Jericho Julian sneaks up you know from like the other door of the room and he picks up Jericho and he plucks a hair out of, out of Jericho's head. And Jericho starts crying. And Julian manages to get out before you know Leanne comes in. Then he goes in her, her bathroom. He's looking everywhere for hair. He looks on her comb. He looks on the floor. He actually looks in the shower drain. He looks under the bed. And, and while he's under bed, she walks in. She's like, what are you doing? And he like bumps his head. He's like, "She's like, oh, a couple weeks ago when we were, and she's like having sex. He's like, oh, I lost my watch. And he holds up his wrist. And she's like, well, it looks like you found it. And he's like, you know, just being here, you know, it just reminds me, you know, being close to you and stuff like that. She's like, I think you're lying. And then, you know, they're really close. And they start kissing. And he puts his hands, like, on her head and everything like that. And then he, like, pulls. And she's like, ow! He's like, oh, sorry. He's like, I got carried away. And (laughs) then she, like, grabs, like, a bunch of his hair, like, pulls down on it. And she's like, I don't know what you're up to, but I want you to leave now. So he goes to leave. He talks to Vera. And he mentions, he's like, it's like Leanne never sheds. So he wasn't able to, and she's like, did you look in, on her comb or in the bathroom? He's like, that's a great idea. He's like, of course I did. <laughs> so then Vera's like, why not get some of Dorothy's hair to prove that, you know, Jericho's not hers. Then he he says that the point to prove that it was Leanne's so they could start the adoption. But Vera says that, you know, she's been thinking, you know, maybe it's time for Dorothy to face her truth. And then um, Ross goes at the door. And before he, he goes there, Julian sees Dorothy's brush and, like, her, her wig from the Marilyn Monroe thing. So there's a brush on the table, like, in the living room. So uh, he takes, like, a huge clump of hair from the brush, and he, he gives it to Roscoe and, and stuff like that. He's Roscoe's standing outside the door. Leanne comes down the stairs, and, and then they kind of see each other, and he just, like, kind of looks at her. And then, he like, he leaves because he's, like, freaked out. He doesn't want anything to do with her. Sean is making more food for the kids, and then uh, the one beggar girl knocks on the back door. And she asks if she can use the the pooper. And he's like, sure. And he, like, lets her in. She walks past Leanne, who's holding Jericho there. And and then, um, so she goes in the bathroom. And then she comes out of the bathroom later, just as Dorothy comes down the stairs. And Dorothy's like, ah! ah! She's, like, screaming in her face. She's like that. And the beggar just kind of, like, scurries out, you know, without saying anything. And then, then Dorothy's like, she's like, what if they're casing the place? She's like, one break-in wasn't enough. He's like, they're not hardened criminals. She's like, it was just a kid who needed to poop. And she's like, you must consider, you know, our own child, you know, our own kid. Then he's like, well, I think we can do both. Then she gets a call and she's like, you know, she's, she's she's like, she's talking to some dude, Carol or Carlos, Carlos that, that works with her. She's like, cancel the pet parade. She's like, bring, bring the camera crew or bring the crew to the house. She's like, I have a story. So Dorothy wants to talk to the kids about their plight you know, of course, so she'd like to discuss their terrible situation, the The beggar girl is just kind of looking around nervously or it's like that, and you know, Dorothy's like, asks her some questions and everything, and then she just like, runs off so then, she goes on camera it's no wonder, they don't trust adults, it's like, we're the architects of their situation, or whatever, then uh, you know, she tries talking to the other girl, she doesn't say anything, then she talks to this dude who's sitting on a bench like this other kid and she's like, how long have you been on the streets? And he's like, you know, since I aged out of foster care. Then she talks some more, but then the, the camera kind of glitches out and they're like, oh, we didn't get that. And, but then the guy like he, the kid gets up and leaves. So Sean shows up with some sandwiches and then this other dude, I don't know if he's our supervisor or whatever. He's like, oh, you know, why don't we talk to him about why he's doing what he's doing? You know, it could be, a, you know, get the whole family involved and all this stuff like that. So then uh, later at back at the, at the house, you know, they're watching the footage, you know, the, the broadcast on TV. And then an envelope comes through the door. So Julian goes and he, he looks at the results. So you get the test results already. So then we see Julian sitting alone. He's staring at a, at a glass of wine. Dorothy comes up. She's like, Oh no, no, no. She, Cause you know, she doesn't want him ever another relapse or whatever. So she takes it and he finally looks at her. He's like, I don't want to lose you too. And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. And she's like, is this about mom? He's like, I just want you to keep, the baby she's like of course i'm keeping jericho she's like what are you talking about and he takes out like the envelope or with the test results and he said they had jericho's dna tested and hers and she's like what and he's like jericho isn't your baby and she's like looking at him i mean it's just so so like in disbelief like almost like not even register what what he's saying and she's like of course jericho's my baby she's like what's going on with you and then she gets worried she's like are you using again and she's like oh you know we'll get you proper help this time you know someplace nice and he continues he's like i saw jericho it's like i saw him i saw him when i died so when he had that like drug overdose in the bathroom almost and he's like he was there with me he's like he's gone he's like i tested your hair and hair and his it's like jericho's not your baby he's like and this proves it and she's just like stares at him and she's like okay i believe you you saw something that was a terrible night and you know she's just like <sighs> She's like, you know, you weren't fully recovered. You need more time. The doorbell rings. It's some lady from the other day when they had the, the mommy and me thing or like that. Cause she left her diaper bag when all the, the bees started coming out and she's about to leave. She's like, Oh, that's my brush on a table. And so she, you know, she takes it. That was a brush that he got the hair from. So he's like, that was her brush. And Dorothy's like, it's like, yeah. And her hair, not mine. And then she's tells him, she's like, don't ever do anything like that. She's like such a breach of trust. So then later at night, uh, Dorothy's looking outside and then you see the three kids, the three beggar kids, they're like standing in the street, just like staring up at the house and it's like super creepy. It's like, because wh- at first it's like, okay, are they involved with the cult? Are they there to watch? And, you know, but it's like, why is Sean so fixated on them and helping them? And, and he mentions, you know, in the broadcast that he lived on the streets for a bit. So he knows what it's like to, you know, not have anything or whatever, but then yeah, then asking to use a bathroom, that was kind of creepy. And then they're just standing there, it was just, this isn't good. Because, again, it's like, is Leanne paranoid or is she actually know something's up? So, freaky show, man. Then, Peacemaker. Oh, man, how many episodes of Peacemaker left? I don't want to know. <laughs> There's not enough. Uh, season 1, Episode 6, Myrne After Reading. So, last week, holy crap, it was nuts. Myrne chases Leota. So, she... She you know, we see her, she falls, and then you know, drops her gun and he tells her stop. He's like, I'm not gonna hurt you. And then another car comes up and it's hardcourt. And then she's like, She knows. And, and so he explains that you know the he tells Hardcourt that Leota had Peacemaker's helmet on, and Hardcourt picks up Leota's gun and then hands it to her. She's like, We need to talk. So they go back inside. Hardcourt said that, you know, she figured out when Myrne like took a bomb you know, exploded and and he barely took any damage. Like it went off in his face practically. So he had way more butterfly knowledge than what was possible from their investigation. So she confronted him he came clean. Then Mern's like, you know, he says his people came to earth because their planet was dying. And he says to one in Goth that she's their leader. And Leo's like, she it's like, why she? And and Mern's like, well, she had a vagina. And then she's like, what's your name? And and he's like, we don't name our genitalia. And she's like, no. And he's you know talking about the the butterfly. He's like, well, you can't really pronounce it with a human tuck, with human tongue. He's like, I suppose it'd be something like, <laughs> ek- ekstack ik ik, There's got to be something with a ek ek stack ik 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 ik. I don't know. If, maybe there's nothing to it. I feel like there should be something. Um, so they were gonna live their lives, but uh, Goff and so I'm Goff Butterfly. And the others started planning on how to dominate the world, like Earth. So Myrn was like the sole dissenter. And they said it was because he was oversensitive. And that's when they they started leeching using humans in positions of powers as hosts. And, and then Leo like, you killed someone. You took over his body. And Myrn yells. He's like, I needed to stop them. He's like, so I inhabit, inhabited the worst person I could find. He's like, this man. Leo, he's like, he's, he's murder. He's like, but I still know his thoughts. He's... Even, he, you know, he could have changed. He's like, I know that. I took that from him. I took his freedom in his face. And every day I dread up, you know, waking to his memories. So Lito's, Lito's like, does e- Economos know? And Hardcore, like, he knows, but he sticks his fingers in his ears every time it comes up. He's like, you know, he doesn't want to think about it. And he doesn't want Waller to know that he knows something. And Lito's like, she doesn't know? And Hardcore's like, I told you a while ago, we can't trust Waller. And, you know, now that we've attacked uh, the bottling company, they'll know that they're on to him. So they have to get ready in case they they moved a cow and Lee was like there's a cow you know so there, there's something where they're getting all that, the the goo from. So peacemaker is sitting in a class with a bunch of kids and he's like talking to him. He talks about it, you know, fighting Kite Man and then he's like any questions. So every time a kid asks a question, he kind of gives him a nickname. So there's like kid with the sad eyes, gender-swapped Alfred e. Newman, <laughs> Rubik's Cube champion 2025. <laughs> and so this one kid is like he says something, and then uh, he basically ends up calling calling him a, a loser. Oh, because someone's like, "Do you have a pet?" And he's like, "Yeah, I have an eagle named Eagly." And they're like, "Why is that name not original?" And he and or something like that. And then he peacemaker says something. The kid's like, "Well, you're just I, you're a loser, or whatever." And the kids are, are, are laughing, but then uh, Jamil, the the janitor at the hospital from the first episode, his kid asks if he has an origin story. And this gets Peacemaker thinking. So then we we see like his brother dying, and his dad's like cursing at him. And he's like, "You killed him!" And then peace in the present. Peacemaker's like, not in a traditional sense. So then this this other girl, I, I forget what he called her, but she's like, "Do you know Becky Coolidge?" And she's like, "She used to work at this, you know, she used to be a bartender at this one place." He's like, "Oh yeah, I haven't seen Becky in like ten years." And the girl's like, "I think you might be my real dad." And the teacher's like. And I think that's enough time we have for today. You know, Peacemaker, thank you for coming. And whatever, all the stuff like that. And Jamil's like, they're walking down the hall and he's happy. He's like, because he said that this other kid whose uncle, w- w- like, works at a zoo. And he brought in this this one, like, cute little animal or something like that. And he's like, he's like, we don't have any re- relatives. And, he, and he's like, it's all about, like, rubbing, you know, the other kid's faces in it or something like that. So he thanks him for, he's like, and you're a superhero. and So Peacemaker's dad is getting let out of, of jail. And, he, you know, he makes, uh, he makes a totally racist comment to Detective Song, like, he mimics like he's saying something. And she's like, because, you know, he's trying to say goodbye or He's like, or oh, in your words, it would say, and he says some stuff. And she's like, I think your Google Translate off. That means my haircut looks like a donkey took a poop on my head. And he just, like, looks at her. And then she's like, see ya. <laughs> and then Vince Gibbons, like, wouldn't want to be ya. And she just looks at him. She's like, what? <laughs> And, and, and uh, uh, Augie, uh, Peacemaker's dad, kind of looks at him, too. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I, he's like, I know I messed up. And, you know, a- after I said it, I, I realized that. So then uh, Captain Locke yells out for Song. He's like, what's going on here? And she's like, last night she took all the evidence to a judge. And she was issued an arrest warrant for Christopher Smith, their new key suspect in the murder of Annie, what, what's her name? And she's like, we can't have two people in jail for the same crime. So he just looks at her. He's like, you have no idea what you're effing with here. So Augie gets uh, picked up outside by one of his good old boys. And he, so he's like, he's going to shower, he's going to do some stuff with her. Then he's going to do what he should have done a long time ago, kill his son. So peacemakers in his trailer. He feeds eagerly. The golf butterfly is hungry too, so he gives it some of the the, the stuff. Uh, Leota's sitting at her desk. She's like, and she's like staring at Mearns, and he's you know, sitting in his office. And she asks Harcourt, she's like, "How can you trust him?" And she says, "It's just something in her gut." Economos comes in, and Harcourt's like, "Leota knows, you know." And then he literally puts his fingers in his ears. He's like, "La la la la, I don't hear anything." And Leota's like, "He literally puts his fingers in his ears." You know, she thought that, you know, whatever. So Leota, she's doing some stuff, and she's found uh, camera footage from the factory. So it looks like that they bring in a giant tank like every three days. But she's like, you know, where's it coming from? So then they, then she gets a text from Kia saying, you know, she's like, I'm worried about you, but you know, she doesn't, you know, replace, she turns her phone off. So Detective Song rallies a bunch of officers. You know, they're about to go to Peacemaker's trailer. You know, they're they're ready and everything like that. Peacemaker is, is eating, and there's a knock on his door, and he's like, Come in, Adrian. And Vigilante comes. He's like, how'd you know it was me? And Peacemaker's like, you knock in a very annoying way. He's like, oh, he's like, sorry. And then he sees like the goth butterfly. He's like, why do you still have that butterfly? He's like, you know, it tried to to kill us and it cut off half my toe. And Peacemaker's like, you know, sometimes I feel, you know, insecure in my masculinity. So it helps to have, you know, a dangerous pet. Then goth starts uh, doing something in a jar. So with the fluid, she makes like this circle and like a peace sign. They're like, what's it doing? Whatever so the police are moving out. Locke calls Myrne and says that they have a problem. So Peacemaker, you know, they're, they're staring, they're sitting on the couch, staring at, at the, the jar. They're like, okay, not or tap once on the glass for yes and two for no. So you know, they ask a question. Vigilante keeps asking non yes or no questions, and you know, Peacemaker's like really getting because he's like, what's your favorite color? And he's like, it's just a yes or no question, or he, no, he's like, is teal your favorite color? And then they're like, "So what?" Murn tries calling a peacemaker, but his his cell phone's on the counter, and you know he's too busy arguing with vigilante, so you know he doesn't even hear it go off. The police are they pull up outside the trailer, then inside they're asking more questions. They're like, "Are you here to eat our flesh?" Like in Pitch Black, two taps. Vigilante's like, "Are you there to put babies in us?" Like Alien, two taps. And he's like, "Ah oh, man," he's like, "What?" He's like, "I'll never get to experience motherhood or something like that." So then, uh, peacemaker's like. Are, are you here to help us get or are you here to help for us to help you get home? Like E.T. two taps. And then, um, then Vigilante's like, are you here to play a crappy song? Like in close encounters, two taps. So meanwhile, it kind of was like, have you tried calling Vigilante? So Vigilante answers his phone and he's like, it's Peacemaker. And he's like, Vigilante, huh? He's like, what? And Peacemaker takes the phone. Cause you know, Vigilante's acting like it's not him again, you know, secret identity, whatever. Murn says he's like the police are coming with an arrest warrant. He's like, get out of there! So he looks outside. They see all you know all the police are sitting out there. So he tells uh, vigilante to grab Goff. He opens up the skylight. He takes Eagle. He's like, sorry. He's like, kind of like, throws Eagle up through through the, the skylight. Song talks on on the bullhorn. Tells them to come out with their hands up now. Um, climbs up on the roof. Vigilante he taped the, the jar to his back. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, so I I have both hands free, which that doesn't seem like a good idea. They're up on a roof when the, the cops bust in. Then she tells them to toss the place, but it's like, what's the point? They're looking for a Peacemaker, and they're just trashing the place. They're even like slicing the couch cushions and stuff like that. It's like so unnecessary. They're just just taking everything. Out. You know, there's a, a picture of of Peacemaker and his kid. They open it up, pull the picture out of frame, and then just like toss it. It's like that is so disrespectful. So, and then one dude, of course, finds a diary because, you know, he's moving stuff around and he starts reading it. And it looks like a bunch of like, like cuckoos, you know, stuff. There's like just tons of text and like pictures and all this stuff like that. So it's like, what's going on? So Peacemaker and Vigilante, they go, you know, through the trees and Peacemaker's like, where are you parked? He's like, I didn't bring it. He's like, you know, I thought we'd get wasted. And he's like, he's under kind of like mildly, not really talking. So he's like gesturing drinking and he falls like off the tree. He lands on a jar. Golf butterfly is free. Song was like walking around the back, and she saw him fall, and she tells him to freeze. And then the goth butterfly flies up at Sing, flies into her mouth, and then and then like some blood like spits up, and she's like kind of convulsing or anything like that. So they they're they're like standing over her, and another cop sees them, you know, and it sees like. Song just like convulsing on the floor. So they start chasing them through the woods. They're like shooting at them. Eagly is like helping, like, whoosh, like knocking them. He's vigilante like, Vigilante's like, oh crap. He's like Vigilante's hardcore, man. He's like just pecking at their face, just slamming into them. Uh and then this this cop finally gets a draw on them, you know, and they're 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 done. But then the cop gets shot in the head by Captain Locke and he, he tells them a car is waiting for them over the hill, and Peacemaker's like, who are you? And Locke's like, if you want you know, to get out of here, he's like, do you want to get out of here, or do you want to ask stupid questions? So they run, and then Locke starts shooting the other cops. There's like, like three or four other cops, and he starts shooting them. Fitzgibbons is a uh, holding song. You know, She gets up, and, all of a sudden she gets, and she's like, where's Peacemaker and the buffoon? And he's like, hey, you know, you had an injury. He's like, you know, but she just gets up and starts looking for him. Peacemaker tries calling Harcourt and then Vigilante grabs his phone saying, he's like, they can track it, whatever. And they're like struggling, whatever, you know, over the phone. And then he like throws the phone out the window. Peacemaker's like, it's like, dude, he's like, that phone was secure. He's like, they can't track it. And he's like, and it has a, an F ton of super cute pictures of eagles. Like they're irreplaceable. And Vigilante's like, sorry, whatever. And he asks, he's like, well, what about the cloud? And Peacemaker's like, He's like, I don't know anything about what that is. He's like, it happened when I was in prison. Everyone keeps talking about it. Like, he doesn't know what the cloud is. So Peacemaker's He's like, What's going on? He's like, That guy was killing, you know, officers and vigilantes. He's like, you know, he's like, What you've changed, man. He's like, we used to go out and kill bad guys, and if we killed the wrong person, it'd be like, whoops, and we we'd move on. So obviously Peacemaker has changed. You know, he doesn't want to kill anymore. Fitzgibbon and Songs, they they come up to the bodies and they see Locke, and he's like He's like, oh, it wasn't Peacemaker. It was a Caucasian in a striped shirt and a red tie. Oh, and he had a fedora. And then he, like, ran off. And when he was running off, he he said, Robble, Robble. And Song walks off, like, angrily. Because Song has the butterfly in her now. And then this this other officer is like, I, I, you know, it I, sounds like he's talking about the Hamburglar. <laughs> so then this other officer hands uh, the the. the, the Crazy diary to lock. He's like, we found this, and he takes it. He's like, oh, okay, and he sticks it in his like jacket. Hardcourt is talking to Peacemaker. Tells the the others that um, you know, he's on the phone. He says, you know, it'll be right over. Myrn comes out. and asks, he says, does anyone know about uh, Peacemaker having a diary? And Leota like mouths a curse. And Murd's like, what? And Peacemaker, vigilante, come in. They they ask him if he kept the diary. He's like, no. He's like, I have a notepad and I barely use it. So they have another con com- or they have another problem. Goff got away. And they're like, you kept Goff, and he tells Myrne that he didn't trust them, and you know he kept the the butterfly because he wanted answers. He's like, th- he's like, it's in the the lady cop now. Mern like Mern curses at him. Peacemaker's like, hey, don't talk about me like that. You sent Pennywise, a clown, out to help us, and he killed three cops, and one was unconscious. Economos interrupts, and he's like, I think I know where the the raw amber is coming from. So Fitzgibbon asks songs like, what's going on? He's like, you had a brain injury, and then Locke uh, puts a diary. In a a drawer in, in his desk, and he like locks it. Economos traced uh, using different highway cameras, so he was able to the trace where the shipment was coming from. So it goes to this, you know, Coverdale Ranch, and they say that you know they're like that looks pretty small or whatever. And they're like, well, it could be burrowed beneath because you know at Goff's place, you know, there's all that stuff on the ground. Merton's like that they have to destroy the source because if they do that, they can defeat the butterflies and peacemaker's like you know how do you know it's like what's going on he's like you know he's like you think that me and vigilante are too stupid to notice that you know that there's something you're not telling us but no one wants to tell peacemaker anything else but they just say that you know they believe that there's just one cow on a planet and he's like when were you going to tell me and mern says he's like we're leaving at the break of dawn to to go to the ranch and peacemaker stares at leota but you know she doesn't even want to look at she doesn't look at you make eye contact so song is sitting outside and and then a ton of tiny little spaceships land in front of her. So more butterflies come out, and she kind of like growls or whatever, and they all start like talking back in like alien language. Augie, you know, has a bunch of people or you know, he was in the bedroom whatever, and then he goes to his secret weapon room. He gets his suit, and he has, you know, all the others, they start putting on like these like w- white hoods. They're like weird hoods because they have like two points instead of one point. Um, Song... Walks to the police station. Like all the butterflies are following behind her. She walks in, and then the, the cops start getting taken over by the butterflies. Fitzgibbon like runs down the hall. He's like running, and everything like that. It's like slow motion. But then one still gets in his mouth. Locke th- locks himself in his office. But they're like smashing through. They bust through the glass. And they go into him. Then they enter the prison area. So they're they're going everywhere. And then you see like everyone's walking down the hall. It was kind of weird because they all have like these dumb grins on their faces, except for Song. Song is just like like serious and like ticked off. And they're all others have these goofy grins. But okay. Maybe they're, they're they're excited to have bodies, big body. I don't know. Augie now has his armor on. His, all these people salute him. Leota is um lying with, with Kia. They're sitting like on the couch or whatever. And she says, you know, she's just I just wanted to be with you and she's like I'm just confused she's like my you know my mom made me do this thing and Kia's like what thing and she's like I can't say but she's like I betrayed this big goof who trusts me and I feel bad you know it's it's killing me and she she thinks that it stopped but she says that she knows stuff that her mom doesn't know if she tells her mom then she betrays the others but if she doesn't tell her then she betrays her mom and Kia, Kia just so tells her like, "Why don't you just leave?" She's like, "You know, you don't owe those people anything, and you don't know owe your your mother anything either." He's like, and she's like, "Well, what about her bills?" She's like, "We'll we'll figure out a way to pay them." But now, as as this happening, I'm starting to wonder. It's like, can we trust Kia? I mean, that would be like the the big kicker, like horrible thing. I feel like you know maybe she's been taken over or she's shady. I hope not. Hardcore is engraving like a, a dove a piece on a gun. So he walks in and she hands it to him. And he's like, oh, "Oh, it's facing the wrong way." But then he like looks at her, her face, and sees that you know she tr- 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 did something really nice. He's like, "It's super nice, though." He's like, "Thank you." She's about to leave, and he's like, "I don't think I really care about the dove of peace." He's like, "I think I just said that because I don't want to kill people anymore." And she's like. She's like, no offense, but you know we could be taking on dozens of those, of those things tomorrow. She's like, now is not the time to go all Mahatma on, on, on us. And he's like, no, he's like, it's fine. You know, killing aliens, especially the bug ones. You know, he's like, that's that's fine. He, she's she's about to leave, but then she's like, she's like, listen, I know when we first met, I said that you were a total piece of poop, but I don't think that anymore. And she's like, eighty five percent piece of poop maybe, but the rest of you is. And then she's like, good night, Chris so she calls him Chris, a so peacemaker, whatever. Then, then she turns around and then she's like, Amelia. Cause you know, he, he asked her what her first name was and she wouldn't tell him. So now he's alone in the main office. He sees a piano sitting there. So he takes off his big gloves and then he starts playing home sweet home on the piano, Motley Crue. Oh, as soon as like when he's done vigilante comes in and then he finishes. he's like, dude, I thought you said he didn't write a diary. So Leota's packing at her place, the news is on, Locke is holding a press conference. He says among the things they found was a diary, so it maintains that the world is inhabited by aliens posing as human beings and it's uh, the suspect's job to find and kill them. So it links Smith to the murder of Annie Sturphousen and directly to the murder of Senator Royland Goff and his family and potentially 33 victims at the Glentai Bottling Plant Massacre. So he's like, every police station across the country has one mandate this morning. Find and stop the Peacemaker by whatever means necessary. Peacemaker, you know, he also sees this on, he's like, WTF? He's like, what's, you know, what, what's this all about? Credits over. End scene, uh, we see, <laughs> you know, Locke, he's sitting in the woods and he's like, look sad. And he's like practicing, like looking sad over the dead bodies like the cops that he just shot. Then he he asks the dead body. He's like, "Does this look sad?" And he starts laughing. And he pretends to sob some more. And then he laughs. He's like, "Ah, oh, look at you." Not as good of an end scene as the other ones, but it's still so kind of kind of weird and goofy. So, man, things are thing yeah things are 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 cranking up here, and um, I I don't know where it's gonna go. And I mean, but now it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, if if the world if there's this press conference and everyone thinks that. Peacemakers killing all these people. I would think, you know, where are all wouldn't Superman come up and like, dude, where, where's this guy? You know, or someone other superheroes. That's the problem with these shows, is you don't want to do that, but maybe he's busy. I don't know. But I, 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 I love the show. All right, then this week's movie feature is Moonfall. So it's uh, it co written, directed, produced by Royland Emmerich. So, Roylan Emmerich. And like I mentioned earlier, I didn't even realize what he did. So he did Independence Day. He did White House Down. He did 2012, which I actually never saw that. He saw The Day After Tomorrow, or he did, the, did I say saw? He did The Day After Tomorrow. He did uh, He did Patriot. He did uh, Godzilla, the 1998 Godzilla. So he does like all these disaster movies. Is that what you call them? End of the World movies and everything like that? So it kind of, it's. A, if you think about that, and if you saw the trailer, you have an idea what 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 is going on in this movie. It's it's big, huge, over the top. He he's kind of like he's like the Michael Bay of end of the world movies type of thing. You know, everything is just it's just super crazy, everything like that. But it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. So if you think about the movie, if you watch the, the trailer when I first saw this, I'm like what there's aliens there's something in the moon I, mean, I don't even know what what how they what like what the short um description is of of this but it's it's basically like the the moon is like the superstructure the, you know it's it's not a moon it's like it's it's a structure so it was built and there's like something in it. And then the moon's like out of orbit and it's coming to earth and there, you get all this destruction and you know, it's, it's, things just get nuts. So when I saw the trailer, I'm like, <laughs> like, are you What are you serious? But it has Patrick Wilson in it. And I, I really like Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry's in, in there. Uh, you know, there's some other people, John Bradley, Michael Pena. Um, Michael Pena originally was supposed to be, I just remember who it was. It was a, uh, he was someone else. Uh, I think he, I think it was supposed to be Stanley Tucci to originally he, Stanley Tucci was cast, but then he uh, he had couldn't do it because of COVID travel restrictions, so he couldn't get to where where they're they're doing the production, and also John Bradley replaced uh, Josh Gad who was supposed to be in it, which I, I'm I'm kind of glad he he wasn't. So basically, I now here's the thing with this movie. I don't know how much there there's to, to talk about without giving away the whole thing. Basically it it starts off in like 2011. We see uh, Patrick Wilson and Halle Berry and this, you know they're they're out on the moon or not on the moon. They're out in space like a space shuttle thing and you know uh, Patrick Wilson and and this this other dude they're like out on the space tether things you know working on a satellite. Halle Berry, she's I think she's a navigator. She you know she's inside the space shuttle manning the controls. And then this like a uh, this black swarm of something comes and just like smashes through them, and like spoiler, little spoiler, the other dude, you know, he, his his tether water gets gets cut, and he's like floating. You know, they're trying to reach for him or anything like that. Um, Patrick Wilson gets like knocked back into like the I guess the space shuttle you know open hatch thing, but the other dude just he he gets he floats away, he and he he dies. Then what happens when they came back? Uh, Patrick Wilson tries explain, you know, saying what happened, everything like that, but no, they don't want to believe that, you know, they, they obviously black swarm out in space. Like, what are you talking about? And they're, they're saying it was just like human error or whatever. So, uh, Harper, he's like a disgraced astronaut. Now, you know, they, they blame him or something like that, which is like a, a load of crap. And then, so the other, so what, what ends up happening, this is to really takes a toll on, on him and his family. Cause you know, I maybe because you know, he's, he blames himself for his his friend's death even though it had nothing to do with it you know maybe because he couldn't reach him whatever or it's more like probably survivor's guilt that he survived and stuff like that so you know he he loses his job they have to like sell the house or anything like that because you see like his wife and his his little kid i think his kid was like i don't know maybe like less than 10 or, or something like that they're packing up the kids like you know he he's like watching the news about you know his dad and you know his mom watch you know he, he's like watching like an old video again on, on a computer and so he like doesn't want to move and stuff like that. So then it cuts to like the present, you know, 10 years later. And so now the kid is, you know, angry at his dad, you know, he's, he, I think he's like eighteen, just turned 18. Yeah. So yeah, that I think he was just 18. So, you know, he's, he's kind of a, not really a delinquent, but you know, he, he, he gets in trouble. He gets arrested for like joy writing. And, and I don't know if drugs were involved or something like that. And stuff like that. So, uh, his mom is remarried to Michael Pena, who's like this kind of rich, jerky guy. You know, he, he owns like a Lexus dealer or something. And, uh, then John Bradley, he may, you know, he's, uh, he's not really, I said, I don't want to say too much, but anyways, he discovers without going into detail, he discovers that the moon's out of orbit and, you know, that's not supposed to happen. So there, there's something going on. And, you know, he thinks that the moon is a mega structure and you know, because he he goes into like unis he's working or by this university, and he's like he's sneaking in on this dude's like computer, and looking at like this giant telescope, and you know, getting all this data and stuff. So he's a smart dude, and he you know, does his calculations, stuff like that. And he tries going to uh, Patrick Wilson, you know, because he wants him to to contact NASA, you know, that something's going on. But and then he he just goes to social media, and everyone hears about you know the moon out of orbit and stuff like that and so then it comes out um i think i forget what if they had three weeks i don't think it was three days i think it was three but basically it's the end of the world you know what are you going to do and they they have an idea for a mission to to try to fix things but it, you know if the, because things are getting so worse or whatever government wants a blow up the moon <laughs> and everything like that. But it's so the big thing is like, what, what is going on? What, what is up with the moon? And, and cause there's like this big, like whole crater, you know, where the thing came out of like, we don't know what's, what's happening. So if you saw the trailer, you know, Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry and uh, John Bradley are going to go out in space for some reason. But we also see like trying to survive on earth. You know, they, they the survive. You know, people need to get to safety because as, as things are happening, you know, oxygen levels are, are fluctuating and gravity is fluctuating there's one part that uh, the, the, I think the, the biggest problem I have with the movie now I feel like I'm just jumping all over the place where there's like looters and stuff like that going after people too and it's it's just that's just a cause a little more dilemma but then there's this part, part where there's like a car chase and it's it's with Patrick Wilson's son and and a couple other people who I won't get into and so there's this big chase scene, and it's just kind of ridiculous. And if you see the trailer, you see where there's, like, kind of destruction, like, whatever, and then this this car, like, jumps over, hits this other piece of floating. I'm just like, oh, really? But it has to do with, with the, the gravity being lighter, whatever, weaker, stronger, whatever it is. <laughs> but overall, you know, without going more into it, it was a I, I you know I, I was engaged in the movie and you know seeing the trailer my eyes were rolling I'm like what what is this you know and I thought this is gonna be like the silliest movie whatever and it is a silly movie but it's exactly what you would expect it to be so it's it's not bad and it's not silly in a like a satirical way you know it the it, the stuff makes sense as much as it could make sense you know I I don't know about the whole science of it with the earth. Or with the moon, you know what that would do, and but you know there's a lot of really big visuals, and you know that's what that's why you want to see these type of movies is just to see them recreate all this just crazy horrible things and everything like that. The the movie had a apparently like a, like this according to Wikipedia, the budget is between 138 and 146 million, and I, I saw somewhere they said that this is like the most expensive indie produce movie or something like that because i guess um emmerich uh roland did this movie whatever and then Lionsgate is distributing it or whatever like that so um unfortunately it's not doing so well uh i think they they said that it might make 15 million over the weekend but it's a it, it was probably gonna be a little little less than that I, as I mentioned in the news, uh, Emmerich said that he, you know, he'd like to do a trilogy of this. And I just I don't see it's happening. Uh, one, I don't think there was any real advertisement for this movie. I saw the trailer a couple times in a the theater. And and I, I don't know if I ever mentioned a the trailer. They they use uh, Bad Moon Rising. And it's kind of like an edited version where they'll play. It's like totally the things that, that you either love or you hate when they do this, when they use like a popular song in a trailer because you know they do part of, of the lyric and then the pauses the people talking in the trailer whatever then they'll do another part and then the talk or whatever and then and there's part where it just kind of like repeats where it, i kind of like it i like i'm a sucker for remixes and I, I know some people think like that is you can't do that 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 sacrilege you know such a classic song it's horrible and but I, I kind of like that. They don't play it during a song. I don't know if they played it during a credit. I didn't say for the credits because there apparently is no no after credit scene. But <laughs> I, I think I only saw the trailer maybe twice. I didn't see it advertised on TV anywhere. I don't watch a lot of TV, but everyone, you know I do watch you know some of the CW shows. I don't think I ever really saw anything. So I don't know if anyone knows about this. Like when I it was telling people, like coworkers, like, yeah, I'm going to see Moonfall. And they're, they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Like, what's that? And I think that, that that the other thing also, coming out in February, this, you know, or beginning of February, January, whatever, it's not the, the best time for, for movies. This, this has, like, it wants to be, like, a summer blockbuster movie, but it's not quite there. You know, maybe, no, no offense to, to Halle Berry and Patrick Wilson, but, you know, maybe if there's, like, maybe another big, big name in there. But even though, I mean, they, they do a great job in the movie. It's just, I don't, I don't see it making, making enough money. So it's just really unfortunate. And maybe it could be also like, like what he's, he was saying that, you know, people are, are all about Star Wars and, and Marvel movies or well, not even Star Wars, you know, cause there's not really Star Wars movies lately. So I don't know. It, it was a, it was a decent, movie. it was entertaining. I, I enjoyed watching it in the theater and again, seeing all these visuals and big giant cities and big waves and stuff blowing up and the moon and, uh, I mean, I I haven't even I have even touched on the whole stuff with the moon because I don't want to get into that because I really think you should watch it. Like I said, it's not going to be a total serious movie, but there's some some big. It's it's very ambitious with like the stuff that it sets up and and <laughs> when you find it, I still I mean I now that I'm thinking about like the the secrets of the moon and like what actually happens and it's it's. Kind of something, uh, but it, like I said, it's not a bad thing. You know, it, it's just it, it's it's kind of crazy anyway. So that's Moonfall. It's it's definitely worth 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 seeing. I I would say if you could, if it's playing in a theater and if you feel safe to see in a theater, you should see it in a theater because it's just so much, so many big spectacles to see. And if you just watch it, don't don't watch it on your phone or tablet. You know, and if I mean maybe you have a big enough TV. But it's it's worth seeing in in a theater, you know. And there there hasn't been that many movies in a the theater, so you know you should check it out. Yeah, Jackass came out this week. I wanted to see Jackass, but you know, obviously, this is more of a movie I could talk about. And Jackass, as much as I want to see it, I don't feel like I need to see it on a big screen. You know, maybe I'll see it in a few weeks or whatever. But yeah, so Moonfall was 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 pretty something, and. I, I, I recommend it. It's not, it is not going to be like the best movie It's not going to be like a top 10 movie of the year, but it's entertaining and that's what movies should be. So if you want a little escape, see something kind of nutty, I you should see it. That's all I'm going to say about it. And <laughs> it's just something. So that's going to be it for this week. So big, thanks to david mcphail and andrew loken they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the rick jones tier or higher you get access to the sacred podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week i'm currently talking about the resident evil movies and um what am I talking about this the extinct? No, not that. I, I think I just did. Ext- I can't even keep track of these movies. I just talked about extinction and this following week, I think I'm at afterlife. I think 2010's afterlife. So you can hear about that. Um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G man from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. And that is K O ko-fi.com slash G-Man from Heck. So um, what's going to happen next week? Uh, Raised by Wolves came out this past week. I haven't even watched it. I think two episodes dropped. I don't know if I'm going to talk about season two. I, I like. I, I think I mentioned last week, I liked the show. I didn't love it. So I don't know. Um, Re- or Reacher is also out on Amazon. I haven't watched any of that. So I don't know if I'm going to. But the movie feature next week is going to be Death on the Nile. So that that's that's uh, for sure. Um, I may talk about that suspicion show because I, I it's a it's a decent show. So maybe I'm just briefly touch on that, and not not go full on details. Um, and then other than that, um, I don't know. So we'll see. But that's gonna be it for this week. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are having a good time. Hope you're. We're in February. I hope you're um, doing well, and hope you're taking care of yourself. Hope you're staying safe. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.